0: Yo, that was beyond anything I even imagined, old well.
1: plus my name is hunter and your name is Hugh. that's correct hello and uh, it's a podcast about movies it's about pizza it's about food that we've eaten our clothes that we're currently wearing all sorts of stuff wow teasing the new segment <laughs> <laughs> where's the new segment gonna go but brother good question we could do it in between bonus features and drag on forever
0: it feels too late to talk about what we're wearing, because you kind of want the listeners to picture our clothes throughout most of the podcast. We could do it between the introduction.
1: How is it? How do we do this show again? Is it an introduction, then? Introduction,
0: then usually straight into Reels on Meals. Reels
1: on Meals. That's right. And then, what's the name that you came up with? Or that you borrowed from a...
0: Armor of Gods.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Because we're the gods, and clothing is like armor.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: We could just do Reels on Meals and Armor of Gods right next to each other.
1: Yeah, there could, there could be one mega segment. Which one first? Uh, Should they
0: picture what we're wearing before they understand what we've consumed for the day? Yeah. Start off with a great mental picture.
1: Okay, so um, let's... Uh,
0: Talk about what we're wearing?
1: <laughs> no, we've got we to gotta introduce the podcast further, right?
0: Oh uh, yeah, we actually have to announce what we'll be covering on today's episode. Today's very
1: spooky episode. (laughs) The first of two Halloween spectaculars. What was the name we came up with? Did we come up with the name? I just said Project A Scary Stuff. Great. Okay, Project A Scary Stuff. That's the new name of the podcast for the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, we could also retrospectively give that status to the previous episode because you discussed like half of the installments of Halloween.
1: Yeah, I discussed way fewer than half of the installments of Halloween.
0: How many other in total? Including like the reboots. You did discuss four.
1: Did I only discuss four? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um. There are. There's eleven Halloween films altogether. Well, it's not far from half. I mean, it's not half. What you said. It's more like a third, but. Yeah, it is. So you should say a, a third. But it's over a third. But it's maybe closer you should, to a you third. Shut up. It's only
0: one and a half films away from half, and you can't have half a film. So it's That's really unfair. only one film away. You from know, half.
1: you could have half a film. What are you even talking about? Anyway, so um, what do we talk about today? It's our it's on this Project Plus, plus spectacular.
0: Spooky, sp-
1: spooky stuff. No, that's what the flop house calls their their scary uh, movie. Oh fuck them. <laughs> and we could call it the 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 zone. Project mm. plus the zone. We're entering into the Prodigy Plus zone. zone. Yeah, the dark zone.
0: Which is a reference to
1: my anus.
0: Project A+, Hunter's
1: Blade Anus. Yep. The ultimate in horror. <laughs> what about Dark Project A+. <laughs> Fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, oh, you're, you're a CD?
0: Well, it's, it's between Dark Project A+, and Project A+, colon, Hunter's splade Anus, <laughs> colon.
1: Uh, ah? Uh? Can you splay a colon? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. What is splay mean exactly? I know I know, the image, I know the image of splayed anus implies, but... But it's,
0: it's like splaying something apart.
1: So it's it just like pressing it. It's like opening pulling something it apart. To such a degree that you can like... You're not like... I'm going to just look up a definition for it. I think like you could say your legs are
0: splayed if you're like doing the splits.
1: Thruster spread out and apart. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the colon has an opening, so why not? You just have to get it out of the body first. Mm. Hey, so... Great. Uh, what movies are we going to talk about on this edition of Dark Project A+.
0: So metaphorically on this episode, we'll be splaying apart the anus of cinema and <laughs> reaching in.
1: And examining which, which spooky classics.
0: Uh, well, first of all, we'll be covering the spookiest of all spooky films, Gemini Man.
1: <laughs> A man that dares to ask, what if there were two of you and they were both virgins Mm. Uh, What else will we we, uh, be uh, discussing today?
0: Uh, Then we'll be uh, dialing down the spookiness as we examine John Carpenter's 1994 Sam Neill vehicle In the Mouth of Madness. And in addition to that film, we'll also be looking at Austrian names. (laughs) Uh, Gerard Cargill's uh, 1983 film Angst.
1: Before we do of that, we got some very. Oh uh, yeah, this is
0: going to be usable <laughs> audio. Yeah, definitely start talking now.
1: <laughs> I gotta get some, um, you know, um, liquid motivation. Anyway, um, we can we can get more we can get more into this uh, on our introductory segment or this, the segment that all has always begun the show and will always begin the show, which is armor of the gods. <laughs> Yeah, Armour of Gods.
2: What you wearing on your butt? Tell me about the Armour of God. What you wearing on your mm-hmm.
1: Go Now, Hugh, what Armour is... Fitted across your god form this week. I'll probably be wearing one of two outfits for every single episode. But <laughs> Wow, this this is so surprising. Because normally in this segment you talk about many different things that you consume. So I, I'm so shocked. So uh, I'm, I'm wearing a pair of tan pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sort of light blue t-shirt. Mm. Is it nice and uh, warm in Australia right now? Uh, it is. A dark green shirt over the top, mm. unbuttoned. Mm, disgusting.
0: And uh, I'm in a pair of sort of leather clogs.
1: Huh. Shoes in the house, huh? Well, these are my indoor shoes. Um, okay, so, so I, what sort of, what color of socks are you wearing?
0: They're black, but they have like uh, purple and grey streaks mm. at one end, and a Bonds logo in red.
1: Very interesting. How are you dressed, sir? What is your armor? Cute. I am currently clothed in a sort of a button-down shirt that looks uh, a little bit like a Jackson Pollock painting. Mm. It's got all sorts of um, blue paint sort of splattered over an off white background. Wow. Bold. It a, sort of has a, has a floral... Uh, uh, implication, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And I'm wearing um, this pair of black pants that I have that have these like weird little fuzzy things on them, and then socks that are black and white checkerboard with uh, red heel and red tip. So that's what I'm wearing right now. Mm, nice. I can see it. So uh, now it's time for Wheels reels on meals. Reels on meals. Heels. Reels on
2: meals. On reels on meals. On reels. On meals, on reels, on
1: meals, on what has been or do you want me to go first? You sick fuck. No, it's
0: the tra- traditions that I go first. No, I'll go
1: first. Um, so I woke up this morning and immediately had a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And two pieces of toast on which I put Um Pecan and Honey Cream Cheese. I ate that. Hmm. Then for lunch, I ate a egg and cheese sandwich, which I think was the same thing that I had last week. Yes. And then for dinner, I made myself a tuna melt. On the side, I had a New Zealand envy apple. Wow. And also a little um, tub of yogurt. It's key lime flavored. I'm currently drinking a <clears throat>
3: um,
1: cider, a hard cider. So alcoholic cider. It's apple and orange, yes. That is apple and orange. Wow.
0: Now, you dropped a couple of Americanisms uh, there, mm. one of which was the tuna melts and the other of which was key lime flavor, uh. Uh, which might not translate so well. To our Australian listeners, (laughs) to to the dipshits who live in uh, the shitty country, (laughs) God, Australia. So I I think I know what a tuna melt is, but uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's essentially like a toasted sandwich, like a jaffle, as it were. A what? Um, With cheese and tinned tuna in it, I guess.
1: There's a variety of ways, but the method that I have been making, that my girlfriend introduced me to them, is essentially this. An open-faced sandwich, right? Oh, Mm open-faced. So not a sandwich, really. We don't have to discuss this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But a slice of bread uh, on which I have placed some pickle slices and then stick a bunch of tuna salad, which in in my recipe consists of, uh, you know, tin tuna or canned tuna, as we say in the States, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, Some olive oil, balsamic vinegar, um, pepper, uh, sweet relish, uh, onion, either red or white, and uh, that's it. And I mix that all together. And tartar sauce, of course. Right. You Mix that all together. You goop that on top, and then you put a slice of cheese on top of that, and you stick it in the oven for five to ten minutes. And there you like go. on the
0: broiler setting,
1: yeah, exactly. Mm, interesting. And then uh, you eat that up, you slop it down your throat. What about this key lime business? Um, I don't, I don't know what key lime is.
0: You've had key lime pie, right? Isn't that yeah. a rite of passage for Americans?
1: Well, I would describe it as a rite of passage for Americans, but I was uh, something that I grew up eating and loving. I love key lime pie.
0: What's the What's the flavor of it? It's like lime. But that just seems like bizarre in the context of a pie for it's a like sweet. I lime. guess we have like it's a lemon sweet. pie. It's sweet. Is it just like a like a lemon tart or a lemon oh, pie? Oh.
1: So a key lime is actually a uh different fruit than a lime. Oh, is it? I didn't know this at all. Yeah, apparently. This is something that I've just wanted right now. So. So that's what it is.
0: Okay. But it has like a, a presumably some sort of citrus flavour, yeah. right?
1: Yes. It's got a, it's got a sort of um, meringue texture. Key lime pies, that is. Now, maybe custard. Maybe custard is the word that I meant. Okay. Instead of meringue, so whatever. Who cares? Our listeners, okay, Hugh, What have you been uh, shoving down your throat and into your stomach recently? Uh, surprise, surprise. Can I guess? I like, had, can I guess? Uh, can I guess. Yes. Okay. You had a cup of coffee. You have to get it perfectly right. Hey, okay, cu- cup of coffee correct piece of rye bread incorrect ah uh, well should I even bother continuing keep going we'll see how many details you get right so a piece of bread correct um I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess a wheat a whole wheat now incorrect sourdough incorrect <laughs> um just think
0: of my economic condition
1: <laughs> white bread yes <laughs> okay the loaf cost a dollar <laughs> yeah. fifty. Uh, 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 you just imagine if if this were a, a movie there'd be an insert of me like real neorealism <laughs> movies right now. <laughs>
3: um
1: yes, yeah, so white bread. Yeah. Um some store brand uh margarine mm-hmm. on top, and then on top of that is layered some um marmite or vegemite.
0: Well your first guess was right, marmite. Mm.
1: So the the uk no the new zealand yeah. the
0: new zealand formula of the original uk brand
1: gotcha gotcha all right so um is that it did you That's did it. anything else no well okay so uh shall we move on to our first film let's do it babe which is called give an eye man i'm older
2: than when i was younger now used to kill Got a lease on a boat And one day I will loom at you I'm losing my edge There's a danger out. shooting an innocent child In a manger While aiming at somebody evil nearby I might kill for a crust But I'm not a bad guy,
1: no so, Gemini Man uh, What is a Gemini Man? You and where, why would I Be interested in watching one on screen? I mean, good question. (laughs) Uh Now, uh, so what is it? What is Gemini Man? Well, Gemini Man is Will Smith, right? That's right. Uh, And Gemini Man is also a film that's been in development hell for almost 20 years. Correct. Um, And it is about a man who's sort of a, uh, you know, one of those black ops types, multiple sort of a serial hey, killer. we can just say ops. We don't need to get racial about it. <laughs> this is a movie about ratio. Um, anyway, so he's a sort of a you know assassin, serial killer, basically. At one time, at one point, they reel off the number of people he's killed. and it was pretty high. He's a government goon. Yeah, he's killed way more people than like Michael Myers per se. Um, so I'm just I'm just asking questions here. Now, Michael Myers was helping you know, rid the gene pool of idiot teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. While Mr. Gemini Man was propagating American imperialism uh, through murder. So I'm just asking you, who's the real who's the real villain? Is it Michael Myers or is it Gemini man? The US government want you to believe that it's it's Michael Myers, but what my essay presupposes is what if it's Gemini man? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so um Yes, Will Smith is this... He uh, plays a character who has a name that I don't remember. Harry something? Henry? Henry Brogan. <laughs> yeah, yes. I remember the first name, not the last one. This is the Henry um, Brogan experience, because we get two of <laughs> Um, And uh, so, Mr. Henry Brogan uh, introduced sort of James Bond style, um, icing some fool, uh, in a mission that you know, it doesn't go exactly as he wanted to. He's kind of getting a little old. Yeah. the The bullets aren't flying out uh, of the gun as fast as he'd like them to. Nope. Uh, he, and he's decided that he's he's sick of all the killing. He can't look at himself in the mirror anymore. Mm. Um. So, what is he going to do to help? Uh. You know, alleviate his mental condition. He's going to retire, of course. So he. Um, I don't know. I guess. I guess being a, a government assassin makes you fabulously wealthy. Uh, so he has this sort of uh, oceanfront estate um, in uh, in Georgia uh, that he is uh, retiring to, um, and you know I, I don't know he runs into a Mary Elizabeth Weinstead and she's a CIA op trying to he's like keeping tabs tabs on her um, yada 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 whatever. Uh, he goes and meets one of his old friends who is living a life of luxury and uh, sex tourism <laughs> uh, on the high seas. Now, a lot, you know, a lot of times people talk about film as having, you know, characters that are suggested to be queer, right? Mm-hmm. Now, th- this uh, <laughs> this character is the only one that is suggested to be straight. <laughs> <It> <laughs> is interesting. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... He tells him that something's up with uh, some, the last guy he killed. He wasn't actually a guy trying to destroy America. He was working on some Russian gene guy. He was working for a project called Project Gemini or something like that. I don't, I don't really remember. Yeah, i been right. a little bit since this, this film. It doesn't matter.
0: Some guy tells him that you know the guy you just killed may not have been a bad guy after all, as he had been led to believe. That's essentially all you need to know, right? Yeah and the powers that be who control Gemini Man. <laughs> Henry Brogan. Uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA.
1: <laughs> did I laugh when they put that on screen for the first
0: time? <laughs> I did, I did you. Um, the DIA now think that he's a liability because he's found out that, that they've been misleading
1: him. Yeah. so uh, first they send out a team of goons to try to dispatch him. Mm-hmm. Does not work.
2: Henry, has this ever happened to you before? Your own government trying to kill you?
1: Ah, uh, that's new. He flees to Cuba. Mary Elizabeth Winstead in tow. Was it Cuba? Am I that? Columbia. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to exotic foreign locale. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to exotic foreign locale, which offered tax break to the production. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> and he uh, he convinces Elizabeth, Mary Elizabeth Winstead to defect, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then meets up with his old friend, Benedict Wong, whose character's name I don't remember. Baron. Baron, that's right. Uh, he's introduced um, smoking a cigar. He has a parrot or something. No, a toucan. That's about the, the character detail that we get from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, what do you know it? The, the DIA has tracked him down once again, but this time they don't send a... After them they just said one man, a Gemini man, <laughs> uh, and this man is a clone of Will Smith. who uh, has come to kill him.
2: When I saw him, it was
1: like I was seeing a ghost. And then the movie goes on from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go to Hungary. They meet up with the uh, the asset. I don't know. Yeah, really, whatever. Who cares. Whatever. Yeah. This one's better. It's a, it's kind of just like a you know. 90s. It's it's almost like it, it's almost like this film was a 90s um, high concept action thriller that got frozen and was unfrozen in the year 2019. Yeah, it's almost like that's exactly what it was.
2: The concept of a man being chased by himself—that's a really compelling idea for a story.
1: Uh, um. Anyway, all that aside, um, despite our uh, lack of enthusiasm, Hugh. <laughs> Uh, this film has gotten uh, some critical pra- praise. Um, has in it? In certain directions. <laughs> at least for the people that I follow at Letterboxd. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, both for its uh, sort of technological advances. <laughs> and in, uh, I, I don't know, we's... Um, uh, <laughs> direction, I guess. <laughs> uh, this is directed by Ang Lee, uh, which I don't think we mentioned. Um, and his prefer- preferred way of seeing it is actually not possible uh, because he wanted it to, to be shown in 4K uh, at 120 frames per second uh, in 3D. The technology we're inventing is something Anger's been wanting to do for a long time. He's making a leap forward that no other director has even tried to the do. The film did not receive any sort of release that had the specifications. I went to go see it in 2K at 120 frames per second uh, in 3D. What what frame rate did you see this film in?
0: I, I'm presuming I just got it in 24.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a shame. And did you see it in 3D?
0: No. Ah. So, I saw it, so we had opposite experiences. You, you had as close as you can get to Ang Lee's vision. Yeah. And I had as far as you can get from Ang Lee's vision. While still being in a cinema. I guess the furthest would be watching it on the phone or something. But but that's good. We both represent the different experiences that our audience could have when they see this film, as they undoubtedly will after our glowing endorsement.
1: You, you and I have uh, identical taste. That's right. Well we often do. So so the only thing that the only thing that different differentiates us is that I saw this film in 120 frames a second in three D. Yeah. And you saw it in whatever Garbage format that you saw it in. Yeah, I
0: paid eight dollars for
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever shitty Australian theater chain you would to.
0: But just to explain, the reason it's one hundred and twenty frames per second uh-huh. is because when you're watching a three D film, you've got the two visions in your left and right eye, right? Yeah. So it's sixty frames per eye, something like that. That's the reason it's that number. Mm. And also, also, we should also explain. Oh, oh, oh please. That this uh, 3D projection technology called uh, Magi, Magi, I don't, I don't know. Magi,
1: the gift of the Magi, was
0: developed by one Douglas Trumbull, huh. who famously handled the special effects on 2001, A Space Odyssey among numerous other credits.
1: Like, 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 Brainstorm and Silent Running. Uh,
0: so, yes, he did work on Blade Runner, and I think he left the production partway through in order to make Brainstorm. <laughs> and history vindicated him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know something crazy I learned recently? Mm. Is that the most recent Mario game, Mario Super Mario Odyssey, mm-hmm. uh, had several references to Silent Running in it. Did it really? Yeah. That's bizarre. Like the robots are designed to look like the robots in Silent Running. I did not notice when I was playing through this video game. Have you seen Silent uh, Running? No, I, I don't care. I do want to watch it, but only because um, I think uh, a film that stars Bruce Dern is strange. All oh, right, it's such a weird story. Yeah, it's like about like some dude who's by himself on the, this like bio ship or something.
0: Yeah, but the way he comes to be by himself is the is the, is the amazing bit.
1: Does he kill everyone else? Yes. <laughs> That's great. That's great.
0: So genocidal. Uh... They they want to jettison the cargo of plants or whatever. He's like, no, we can't do that. So he murders them all.
1: That's great. <laughs> and he's the hero. So it's kind of it's kind well, of great. like you. Um, he's just a radical environmentalist. He can't um, deny that the human race would be a little better if we just killed some some. Let's say um, I don't know uh, half the population. <laughs> uh, okay, so great. Um, Anyway, all this technological bumbo jumbo aside, Hugh, what the fuck did you think about the movie that is called Gemini Man?
0: Um, okay, well, let, let
1: me be clear up front uh, Gemini Man
0: is exactly as bad as its trailer promised. Mm. But I think there are some things to enjoy about the experience of watching it, mm. as well as perhaps some unintentional resonances in its baffling <laughs> visual effects
1: choices. <laughs> Which we'll get I can I cannot wait to talk about this. I've been been <laughs> dying to talk about this specific. There's a specific scene in this film that I thought was the funniest thing I've seen in a movie this year. It is the funny film. <laughs> if, if, a if, I, if, I, if, if I've talked, if, if we're talking about the same specific moment, I'll be very happy because I was I was like dying laughing. laughing. I think we are,
0: but we'll see. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll we'll keep yes. our audience in suspense. Unlikely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so. I would say for about the first 20 minutes of this film, it kind of works on its own terms as like a shitty action thriller. Mm. Ang Lee stages a few decent set pieces. Will Smith is reliably charismatic, I guess. I don't think he's particularly great in this, but he's, you know, he's fine. He's Will Smith. He's, well, he's, he's doing Will Smith. <laughs> he's doing Will Smith. But yeah, I'd say after the first 20 minutes or so, partway through the sequence in which uh, Will Smith first jukes it out with his younger clone... Things begin to fall off the rails, and uh, it becomes a slog for quite a while and then Mm. tips over into outright hilarity by the end. (laughs) More on which later. Yes. Uh, What did you think of it?
1: Uh, I think uh, film critic Chris Cabin put it best in his Letterboxd review, where he said that uh, Gemini Man is not an especially good film, but it is a somewhat interesting one. Mm. Hmm. I feel like I found all the parts of this that were like a film, you know, like the, the standard, like the themes it seems to be wanting or want to be exploring and the, um, action set pieces, found them all, characters, found them all, pretty boring.
0: Oh yeah. Like the, the screenplay for the film is dog shit. (laughs) Yes. So we, we touched on this before, like the original concept of the film, uh, which comes via one Darren Lemke. Hmm had been circulating since 1997, uh, at which time it was decided that the technology was not sufficiently advanced to pull it off. And since then, it's been reworked several times, uh, including by one Andrew Nickel.
3: Mm.
1: And the final script is credited uh, to um, David Biddyoff, Yeah, uh, and...
0: and some other guys, a couple of other names, including Darren Lemke, still credited, although he had nothing to do with this version. Billy Ray. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a terrible script. So as you've already touched on, thin characterization, ludicrous contrivances, and it's peppered with that kind of wheezy quipping mandated by the modern blockbuster industrial complex.
1: Um, I feel like this is kind of in line with the uh, 90s action movies, though.
0: It does call back to that as well. But I think I think certain aspects of the screenplay felt very contemporary in a bad way.
1: Uh, it, didn't, it didn't feel especially marvel Hmm. I feel like is the you know default mode that Blockbusters try to emulate. Um,
0: what are you What are you toying with?
1: <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, okay, I'm. A, I'm toying with a corkscrew. Okay.
0: And my emotions while we're recording this podcast. Yeah, exactly. I
1: just want. You, I just want you to commit suicide on air.
0: To give an idea of the quality of the screenplay, I will quote Benedict Wong. So Benedict Wong is like the stock role of heavyset ex-military buddy, comic relief guy. Mm. <laughs> and uh, he delivers this peach to the aircraft that he's just landed like most of my encounters that was short and sweet thanks babe mm. and at one point a teenage delinquent uses the term wicked boring i, I don't i don't remember this at all which,
1: which i thought was hilarious <laughs> I, I have to i have to admit that i did have a fever when i was watching this movie so i feel like maybe i get given a fully um uh, detailed rendering of my opinion because I was I was a little sick. You were fully sick. So it did not uh did not imprint especially well, especially in the dialogue. Though I did write down in my notes, of which there are only four, mm. um, that I, I was displeased that this ripped off my favorite line from the Street Fighter movie. Um but I don't remember the specific line in the in I'm in, mean, but you just recently saw so maybe you can help me out with this. Mm-hmm. But the line I was thinking of in Street Fighter is this great scene where um, uh, M Bison is talking to Chun Li, and he's like, "The day that Bison destroyed your village was the most important day of your life, but for Bison, it was Tuesday." It's a great line. I can't remember what the line was in Gemini and though. So it's like this Russian guy in Hungary. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like. Oh, yes, now I remember. Where he's like, oh, all oh, this intrigue in Soviet Russia. <laughs> no,
0: he says, he says, uh, when, when the government tries to kill you, you Americans get so upset. But in Russia, yeah. that's just Tuesday, something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Thank you. So it was literally plagiarizing uh, 90s action movies. It was even the same day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, you think, uh, do you think the uh, sort of weird um, uh, gay subtext of this is interesting? Did you read it as a gay subtext? I definitely read parts of it as because there's that scene where uh, he's talking to Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and she's like, "Oh, could it be a son?" And he's just like, "No, there's no way." And I, 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 I you could read that in a different ways, a bunch of different ways, right? Well, Will Smith is a Volso. <laughs> yeah, or just in itself. But I mean, Hugh, well, well, ha, Here's here's one way. Ha, there's there's other ways you could have sex and be a super spy and not have children.
0: But they allude to the fact that he that he has an attraction to uh Winstead.
1: No, that that his younger self had an attraction to her. But that's <laughs> when he was younger and now that he's matured and he realized his sexuality Yeah. All right. That <laughs> um I just this movie is so like sexless in general, though. Hmm. It's it's very weird that they they sow the seeds
0: for like some sort of romantic connection between uh, Winston and Smith, but it never yeah. never happened.
1: But that's 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 another that's another like sort of queer reading to get into it, right? Well,
0: yeah, because they by the end they assemble an unconventional family.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: father, mother, clone, and Yeah, yeah, you you're kind of right because then they've had a child without having to have sex. Yeah, exactly. By this clone.
1: It's a parable about um, queer reproduction. Mm. And there's also just the way that, like, a Mary Elizabeth Wisehead's character is, like, costumed and stuff that's very sort of queerish, you know? Mm. But I feel like that was probably because uh, if I had to make a guess that they wrote her character as a man and somewhere in development it came into uh, her being a woman.
0: I mean, that makes some sense if you think of it that one way, but I can't imagine this film not having that role in it like it's so generic that it has to have like some thin love interest character yeah but it's where there's no like love
1: interest character
0: but you know this this is like a carcass of
1: 20 other screenplays yeah yeah. who knows um but i also really enjoyed the scene where uh willis is talking to his younger self and he's like how old are you 23 still a virgin (laughs) (laughs) oh that was really funny <laughs> there's a this movie. There's like nothing to this movie. It's just like a shitty, like, t- discussing like the narrative or the direction. It's not gonna like yield anything. There's nothing to it, right? No. But we I mean, guess we could talk about like the action set pieces, but they are pretty uninteresting. They are they're, they're definitely video gamey.
0: Yeah, I would say to be to be charitable, Ang Lee directs a little bit better than the material deserves, but that's about it.
1: I mean, honestly, like I read people being like, "Oh, the action sequences are so clean," but I didn't really get that at all. No. It felt very sort of standard.
0: I would say, like the the high point for me in terms of the action was, like the first part of his uh, first encounter with the clone when he sort of jump, jumping over rooftops and there was like a there was like a nice sort of visual palette.
1: Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of Bourne esque. Yeah, but as soon as they fucking get on the motorcycles, I was like, I don't care.
0: The rest of that sequence is absolutely terrible. But like the the initial setup when he's not quite sure
1: what's happening and who's following him. Was
0: quite well handled, I thought.
1: Uh, the, I mean, like the video game quality was definitely like sort of, you know, pushed to the center with the the high frame rate too.
0: I can only imagine how weird it would be seeing this in one hundred and twenty fps, and how much worse it would come across.
1: I don't know. I didn't really notice it for the most part, to be honest. It just felt sort of uh, superfluous, almost. Like, to made everything feel like kind of flat and and dull. But I imagine that the film felt that way anyway. So I was like, whatever. It's weird that so many people have like been harping on it, but I can't really, it didn't seem hyper real. It just felt, yeah, kind of like flat, which I mean, I, I, I don't know, I feel like there are, could be interesting uses for 120 frames or 60 frames or whatever, like high frame rate in general. Mm. But I mean, this made me feel like I was watching someone play a video game, you know, and I, I, I don't really think that's a bad experience. You know, it's not something like I am opposed to doing, you know but it didn't impact the experience. It didn't really impact it one way or another for me.
0: I didn't feel like I was not watching a movie. Did you find yourself adjusting to it enough that then you were able just to see it for what it was? Yeah, pretty much. Okay.
1: I'd be interested in seeing it at 24 frames per second, actually, just to compare, but I don't know.
0: Well, I guess I can speak to that quickly. There did seem to be some peculiar side effects of seeing this in 24 frames per second. It did look... Quite. I mean, you said the same thing, so who knows. But it did look quite flat and washed out at points.
1: Yeah, but I think that was just like the cinematography more than...
0: It could well be. And I might have just been looking for some sort of side effect of that process because I knew about the backstory going in. Like, honestly, it doesn't come across as being compromised by seeing it in 24 frames per second. Mm-hmm
1: just so it's so weird that they were so he was so insistent in shooting it this way cuz it must have like added so much cost to the film and made it much more difficult to shoot, you know. So you need like these like weird specialty cameras to do it properly.
0: Well, I mean like I don't know what the 120 fps adds to the experience. All I can say is that it didn't feel like I was missing something. Like if you if you told if you hadn't told me that all this stuff was going on and it was supposed to be seen a different way, I wouldn't have guessed, you know. Mm. It didn't seem like I was I was missing out.
1: I mean, it didn't seem like it added much to me, so Okay, there you
0: goes. go. So So that's that that's that side of things. Now let's talk about the other side of things, which is the creation of an entirely CG Will Smith to act opposite his real life counterpart.
1: Well entirely I'm sure there was a body double there.
0: Yeah, like it was motion tracked from a Will Smith performance. But technically it was created entirely in CGI. I
1: mean the face the face was, right. Everything. Everything? Everything. Even his penis.
0: So it was tracked from a body double's performance. So there was a body double on set and Will Smith also acting the lions. Yeah. But that's just like the same as, you know, Andy Circus as Gollum. Sure, sure. It's still an entirely CG creation in the end.
1: Well, hey, honestly, who cares? But uh, what did you think about this effect? Do you think it was convincing?
0: Well, I think on the film's own terms, it's an awe-inspiring failure. Mm. I think just the sheer amount of, you know, time and resources and genuine ingenuity that have gone into the creation of an effect that could have been pulled off flawlessly by a razor, some hair dye (laughs) and basic compositing is, is insane. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even if you, even if they went the route of like mild de-aging, like Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel...
1: Yeah, that uh, would have worked better
0: than this entirely
1: computer-generated Smith. Yeah, it is weird that they... Now that you've said that, it, that's kind of crazy to me that they would... Because, like, yeah, I feel like, the, I feel like Save the Exit and Captain Marvel way better than this does. Yeah, it
0: did, because that's a
1: different effect. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some parts of this where he looks, it looks okay, I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think um, if you just looked at a frame of it, uh, you might be fooled. <laughs> there's obviously an impressive amount of rendering and, and detail that have gone yeah. into th- this creation. And yeah, I think I think it's if you looked at certain frames, it does approach perfection. I don't think it ever
1: reaches it, but it approaches it. I mean the question is whether perfection should ever be reached mm. in this form.
0: But definitely as soon as, as soon as he moves or especially opens his mouth, it's immediately clear that something is off. Yes. Like replicating human facial movement, especially around the lips during speech, is, is Probably the most difficult task for an effects artist. Creating a digital human is one of the hardest things you can do in visual effects. This is not de-aging, this is not face replacement, but what you see for Junior is a completely
1: digital creation, 100% driven by Will Smith's performance capture.
0: And the problem is the risk of the uncanny valley effect Mm. make it such an insane proposition, like it either has to be flawless or it will be wrong, it'll look off. Uh There's like no margin for error.
1: Yes, that's true.
0: Whereas there obviously is with things like, you know, creating a building or a car, which often is CGI and you never notice
1: it. Like, Hugh, for instance, I learned today that the film Parasite has over 300 CGI snapshots. Wow, does it really? Yeah. So, like, the thing
0: is, though, like, even at its best, it's still it's still not good. It still doesn't work. But,
1: I mean, even, even at its best, you're, you're still sort of confronted with the, the pointlessness of it, right? Yeah,
0: which I think we'll get to in terms of the
1: resonances
0: <laughs> that this film has. But it's also clear to me that they, the effects team had to make a lot of compromises, you know, which is par for the course when you're producing blockbusters on this scale with, with certain time constraints. Yeah. So they obviously have finite resources and they have to decide which shots to spend the most time on. So some are sort of impressive just as a feat, even if it doesn't work. But some look like the shittiest deep fakes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this, the final scene set on a college campus.
1: <laughs> look- yeah, the scene where I was like, I started crying because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> it, looks, it looks insanely bad. There's this shot of like young Will Smith waving from across the grass. I <laughs> think it escaped from like the code lab <laughs> early and like his face had been like melted a little bit or something <laughs> it was so funny
0: and you can't really blame the effects artists because they were probably pushed the
1: wire and like that they had to make a decision presumably that's why the majority of the film is like set at night or in sort of like dark locations mm. and one of the one of the reasons I'm, I, I assume that it looks so shitty is because of uh the fact that it that whole sequence takes place in the middle of the day that's true that that could well be the case as well. Um, but that scene I thought was so funny. It was. I laughed so hard. <laughs> um, did you Did you like the fact that this the film's title is a lie? That it's not a twin? Yeah, there's three of them. Mm. The fuck? So is this
0: the point where we can be a smartass about it and say that uh, the CG Smith represents the threat of obsolescence that looms over every Hollywood star? Mm. Yes, it is. It's exactly that point. Great. Um, so there's obviously always been the threat of uh, an older actor being replaced by the younger model, but with the advancements in technology, that threat goes even further.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: perhaps. I mean, like, in, it goes both ways because some older actors might get a lifeline by being employed in a role that they otherwise wouldn't have got because it needed a younger actor yeah, and like being aged like the Irishman, something that wasn't possible before without this, this technology. But then you could also posit that maybe sometime soon the studios will come to the realization that it's cheaper just to digitize your assets and then generate new performances without your participation. Like this ironic fountain of youth.
1: I, I for one, uh, gleefully anticipate that age. I hope that happens. It'll be funny. (laughs) I agree. I feel exactly like the end of Gemini band. I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) I would have for like one studio to try and then
0: just to bomb horribly. And I, I think although it may be unintended, you can say that the very unreality of the clone also gives it some extra resonance. Like in that, in that first uh, confrontation, it comes across like this weird CGI ghoul, almost as if we are watching a Halloween appropriate horror movie. Mm. The uncanny doppelganger. At other times it feels like Will Smith is like battling his own IMDB credits Like Will Smith in modern-day action sci-fi mode versus the Prince of Bel-Air, essentially. (laughs) They should have had him do a rap. At one point, they talk about where they respectively grew up. Uh. And uh, the clone grew up in um, Atlanta, I think. But Will Smith says he grew up in Philadelphia, but he didn't break into the song, so I was disappointed.
1: In which song?
0: In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground where I spent most of my days. Chilling yeah, out, and relaxing yeah. and cooling and shooting some b-ball outside of school when a couple of guys were up to no good started making trouble in the neighbourhood. I got one little fight, my mum got scared. She said, move me on, on to Bel-Air. I was for a cab when it came near. The license plate was fresh, I had dice in the mirror. If anything I could say this cab was red, I thought not would forget, you're home to bel air Did 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 die, pulled up to the house about seven o'clock. Now yelled to the cab, you're home, I swear you later. I looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. You
1: know that one? No. What do you think they'll do a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot? They already
0: are. They've already announced it. Really? So some guy, first of all, some guy independently made like a gritty sort of updated version that was not as a sitcom was like a one camera drama.
1: That sounds like torture.
0: And that attracted the notice of Will Smith. So there were a couple of uh, videos on his social media account of him like meeting the director and talking about this. And then I think recently they did announce they're actually making some sort of reboot or spinoff
1: of the Prince of Bel-Air. Anyway, I don't, I don't care. Never watched it.
0: To follow on from the themes we're talking about, the amount of technical innovation that went into this just feels so perfectly redundant. Yes. But let's talk about the action climax, where things get particularly amusing.
1: Mm. And uh, this is after um, uh, uh, Benit Guang has been iced to the result of me not caring. I don't even remember how he died if he died. <laughs> Did he die? Yeah, he does.
0: <laughs> they have like, uh, like two lines are like, oh, damn Baron. I knew he was going to die. Like I was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. as soon as you see him introduced in the film, you know he's going to die. Yeah. But well, I didn't just, like, actually notice they, they, it. They
1: weirdly underemphasize his death because like they're they're in that like um, car, right? And he gets mm. blown up and all of them jump out besides Benedict Wong and he gets blown up with it.
0: Oh, is that all it was? Like he just yeah. didn't jump out of the car. It wasn't even visually <laughs> yeah. clear.
1: No, that's why it's like so bad.
0: But yeah, like like so, we see this evil masked guy, who sort of it reminded me of Jason or the bad guy in Mad Max Two, and Angley does like a smash zoom into his face in a pulpy way that doesn't really suit the tone of the rest of the film, and then he starts unloading this like ballistic machine gun everywhere. Uh-huh. One of my favorite bits of the entire film was when we get this, we get the revelation that there's a, another Will Smith, this new mm. flame retardant Will Smith. Like I mean, I guess he's not flame retardant. He just doesn't react to pain. Yeah. Because they've engineered him that way to not be, not to be human. Um, and he's there's this sequence where he sort of walks unfeelingly through the fire. And it's some of the mm-hmm. worst CGI fire I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: That that definitely reminded me of like countless video game sequences where that exact thing happens.
0: I don't know what it looked like in 120 frames per second, but it looks so uh, bad. It just looked, my screen. It
1: was like, terrible, but I, I don't know if that. You know, if you say it looked bad at twenty four frames a second, then I don't know if the I can't I can't say if it if it made it look worse. You know,
0: I was just wondering if it was like designed a particular way for the higher frame rate for whatever reason, and then it looked weird when it was transferred down. I don't know. You no, know,
1: it definitely did not look good. It looked,
0: but it looked like it looked like unbelievably bad. Like they literally didn't have any time to to render I, it the didn't, fire. It didn't
1: look it didn't look that especially bad to me. It just looked like shitty CGI fire, which always looks shitty?
0: Well, it used to always look shitty. It doesn't look so bad these days. They're, mm. they're a lot closer than they used to be with things like elemental stuff that they can generate procedurally like fire and, and water. It's a lot better now. You can get pretty decent fire these days. Mm. Um, it definitely used to be the thing that always stuck out with CGI. But here, yeah, here it looks like it was from Spawn, the nineteen ninety. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think it would be that
1: bad. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So maybe maybe it did look better at, at one hundred twenty. Okay, but I have no idea. Good film, <laughs> was it? I think it's a pretty bad film altogether, but it has, definitely has some interesting moments in
0: it. The only reason to recommend it is to laugh at like those end scenes,
1: <laughs> which are so funny.
0: Yeah, the, the campus bit was an amazing note to go out on
1: because he just looks so, and it's like it's like, mom and dad, I've adjusted to campus life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And he's like He's like telling him What he should do And he's like Dad I want to make
2: My own mistakes He's like But I already made them Dad
1: <laughs> I, I would like to see This This um, Sitcom sped off <laughs> Billy and the Clonosaurus Willie and the Clonosaurus
0: <laughs> No it would, it would have been great If at the end He said No this college life Isn't right for you I'm sending you To your aunt and uncle In Bel-Air
1: <laughs> <laughs> What that would be so funny. Um, but I, I, I just like the perfect, like, nondescript, like, multiracial fring, fringe group he has. Mm. There's just something so funny about that.
0: So Clive Owen is is quite funny in this, uh, chewing up the scenery as the ludicrous clone daddy. I love you,
1: Junior. What's his name? Like, it's such a, it's such a ridiculous, like, villain name.
0: Let's have a look. What What is his name? Clayton Clay Barris. <laughs> Yeah,
1: there you go Yeah Just screaming out for like a, you know Dandy-ish European to play him
0: And he has this, he has this great monologue uh, Where he tries to explain the virtues of his actions
2: Why not just make a whole army full of them? Why not?
0: You should be flattered You should be dead Actually made some sense to me
1: <laughs> you're, 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 you're a fucking PMC defender <laughs> The DIA did nothing wrong he said, "Like, isn't it better if we
0: uh, genetically engineer our soldiers to, you know, be non-emotional fighting machines, right? Mm. That don't have any families or connections, and they don't feel pain, they don't suffer, they don't get PTSD." Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, no.
0: And this. they go over and they do our fighting for us, and we stay at home and enjoy our picket fences and our families, right?
1: Yeah, I thought the, I thought the uh, the the moral of the film was like no, soldiers should be, you know, people. Rather, otherwise, they, they'd just be killing machines. Mm. Uh, to which I would say that, uh, as real life has shown, human beings are more than capable of committing heart- atrocious acts. Yeah. F- fettered with emotions, so.
0: Yeah, I don't really successfully refute his argument. <laughs> no. <laughs> which, is, I mean, like, there's, there's moral problems with what, what he's doing, but.
1: It's the same, like, moral argument that uh, Spectre... The, the James Bond film made mm. I thought it was really stupid where it's like one man should be able to pull the trigger you know or th- there should be a, a moral barrier between I don't know so it's just so uh, uh, incoherent yeah and the main thing
0: is this is something you hear in uh, a lot of Hollywood blockbusters over the years is that you shouldn't play God seems to be the mm. beginning and end of the argument against doing any sort of genetic engineering or anything like this
1: because again like it doesn't refute necessarily the i mean you know it's the classic like um argument that like liberal people and like people who are uh i don't know like pro-american imperialism even if they don't explicitly say that run into right Mm. which is like um the military it's just being led by bad commanders there's nothing inherently wrong with it
0: yeah bad apples bad agents
1: no bro the whole the whole structure of the cia is bad or the DIA rather, <laughs> and they never like refute that idea. Like, what about the other seventy whatever people that you know, most been executed in cold blood?
0: No, but but uh, uh, Winstead, Winstead's gonna take over the DIA. Remember, that's what they posit at the end. She's gonna make yeah. turn it around.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's that's what happens. She's gonna turn around like Justin Trudeau is gonna turn Canada around in the second term. I'm just, I'm just trying to be topical here.
0: Well, because, yeah, they also try and uh, at one point uh, when he meets the guy who, he thought betrayed him with that mission, he's like, I, I swear that's the only time it's happened. All the other people
1: you met have been perfectly yeah, like, bad. <laughs> I, maybe you can argue that that's like what the film is saying. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But
0: no, I feel I feel that was there just to support the fact that we want Will Smith to be a really good guy. Like this mishap only happened once.
1: Yeah. What, what else is there to say about Gemini man? Is there anything else? It's a pretty unremarkable film altogether.
0: It's like an off-putting clone of better films.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like this movie is just a, a worse version of, like, Face Off, you know? Yeah. Which is <laughs> a great film. Face <laughs> Off with none of the pleasures. No. Uh, they should have brought John Woo <laughs> to direct this.
0: This would have been perfect as a John Woo <laughs> film. More so yeah, so the like a been film.
1: Like, like a follow-up to Mission Impossible 2. Mm. I wonder if he was ever attached to it. Uh, we should read off the list of actors and directors who were attached to this one at one point.
0: Tony Scott was attached to it before
1: he... That makes sense. I feel like that's them. sort of... It's pretty, pretty into his wheelhouse. So you yeah, guys see, here, here's some of the uh, other directors. Curtis Hanson uh, and Joe Carnahan. So, And just a, just a small number of the, the stars that were attached at one point. Ready? Harrison Ford. Chris O'Donnell. Uh, Australia's own Mel Gibson. John Voight. Nicholas Cage, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, Quinn Eastwood, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and Sean Connery. So almost
0: all of them make sense in a way that Will Smith does not. Yeah,
1: because he 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 never really plays like this sort of like um I don't know like, there's something really dour about his character in this that seems ill suited to Will Smith's like persona, you know? But
0: even that aside, he hasn't actually Physically aged in the last like twenty five yeah. years. That
1: is, I mean, that, that's all. That's like a ultimate argument about why his or that the the CGI is like so uh, unnecessary for for the Will Smith starry version of this film is that you could just shave Will Smith and like you could put hair dye, and that I'm presuming that's why they gave him that shitty goatee is because yeah, they, they looked, need to emphasize his age somehow. Yeah, yeah, but again, without it, he probably looked like he was you know. <laughs> Is 25 or whatever.
0: And there's that great line in the end where he's like, you wish he'd look this good as me when you're 51. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How old is Will Smith in real life? 51. I looked it up. He must have projected. Yeah, Will Smith looks good. Will Smith has, like, aged the best of uh, yeah. his generation. Yeah, he, he actors.
1: Yeah. Um, because Tom Cruise is... is, is Pretty good, but he's definitely visibly different yeah. than he was. He definitely has he definitely has some uh you can see the wrinkles under his eyes Yeah, bit. there's a lot
0: of weathering on his face even though he looks yeah. pretty good for his age. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other
1: like stars at that at that time. But like if you look at Mel Gibson, like he looks hideous now. Harrison <laughs> I mean, Wells. Gibson Gibson's, Gibson's, Gibson's like significantly older than he is. Yeah, that's true. Like who else is like Brad Pitt is around that age, right? Hmm. He looks he looks pretty good still. But he still definitely looks Order it, it looks like he's aged too. There's definitely he's, like skin weathering in all yeah. these people except Will, Will for Smith, Will Smith. Will, Will Smith, I mean like Brad Pitt and and um, Brad, uh, Tom Cruise look like they've aged really well but Will Smith just does not look like he's aged. Yeah, know? exactly.
0: So basically if you were doing the de-aging effect that they did on Captain Marvel which they did really well with Samuel L. Jackson so all they would probably need to do with Will Smith, if anything like honestly they'd get away with Literally just shaving him, it'd be and dyeing his hair, be fine. But if they wanted to do it, a, a, go a bit further, they could probably just narrow his face a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because like, as you age, you do your face bloats out. And I'm not even sure if it has with Will Smith, but if anything, that would
1: be the anything
0: that that would be much different.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. Let's let's. Uh, I think we've um, juiced all the all the water we're gonna get out of this rock. So. Hmm. Let's uh, move on to the blood out ed- What's that saying? Pulitzer's story.
2: Pass a piece of pizza, baby. I want some pizza. Lay me out a slice. Fetch a felon feature for me. It's a police sorry, take them fights.
1: You I've not had any pizza since uh, between the... Time we last recorded and now, uh, so I have nothing to contribute.
0: So the burden falls on me to justify this segment. Fortunately, two days ago, on the day that I saw the movie Parasite, which we will discuss on our next Halloween special, I went on a pizza odyssey Mm. with a friend of mine that I saw the movie with. A polizza odyssey. A polizza odyssey. And I uh, made it my mission, our mission. Mm. to sample all the New York-style pizza that was available in the Melbourne city area. Uh So I had three uh, places on my list that promised slices from 18-inch New York-style pies. Whoa, big, big daddy. So the first one we went to was a place called Sal's Authentic New York Pizza.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you throw a uh, trash can through the <laughs> window after leaving?
0: And the owner, like there was the life story and the owner actually was called Salvatore. So
1: Did, did, he, have, did he have pictures of Italian people on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't there any Australians on the wall? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's modelled after like a stock standard American pizza place with booths. Um, and I, I tried the plain cheese slice Mm. and I will say that unlike the previous place I tried and and talked about on this podcast, it had the right flavor profile.
3: Mm. It
0: was a little bit light on the, the sauce on the tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that wasn't quite as detectable as I would have liked, Mm -hmm. but it was pretty competitive. How many bucks did you end up, uh, Thrown down for the slice. Uh, $4.50 Australian per slice, which is about the cheapest you can get it.
1: So sort of authentic in, in taste and price.
0: Yep. And and it was nice and thin, and it was nice and light. It wasn't at all greasy. Mm. Good, it was a good slice, decent slice. That sounds like a nice uh,
1: experience.
0: Then I went to another place, which was uh, a less pleasant experience because it was a I sort of pizza window located within a dank bar. Mmm.
1: I like the um, idea of this so far.
0: I mean, a dank upscale bar. It wasn't like a nice dingy bar. It was just dim.
1: Well, that's, that's how pleasant it is.
0: And you had to go through this annoying process. So you couldn't just go to the pizza window and order the pizza. You had to order at the bar, tell them your name, and they give you like this little token. Sure. And then they would ring the bell at the pizza window, and you have to go over and they're like, are you so-and-so? And so like, yeah. And then you give them the little token and stuff. That was a bit of a hassle. you know. I didn't like mm. that. And the pizza itself, uh, the crust was too thick for New York Slice. Uh, It was the right size, it was too thick, too puffed up, and it was very greasy. So it would be fine if you were, like, drinking a lot in the bar and having this pizza or hungover or whatever. Uh, It would suit that purpose, but it uh, paled in comparison to Sal's authentic New York pizza. (laughs)
1: Great.
0: And then That's I dragged it. my That's, friend oh, to our last for stop
1: For fuck's sake
0: Which was a pizza restaurant called Pizza 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 mm. Which I've been meaning to go to for a long time it's, I think it's the first one I'd heard of That had these slices available But unfortunately it was closed on Monday Wayne
1: That's my pizza story Wow Well it certainly knocked my out of the park Project time
2: Project time It's project time Project time, it's project time. Project time, it's project time. Project time, it's project time. It's the start of a new project, and I can't wait to start. Halloween special.
1: Would you would you have to talk about Augst or in the Mouth of Madness
0: first? Uh, let's start with in the Mouth of Madness. I think we should talk about Augst first. In the Mouth of Madness, Augst. In the Mouth of Madness.
1: So Augst is a film about a serial killer. In the
0: Mouth of Madness is a film about. <laughs> no,
1: let's uh, do let's do Augst. Let's do In the Mouth of Madness. Let's do Augst because it's
0: shorter. I mean, we're not going to replay the whole films on the podcast. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I feel like I'd rather talk about Augs first, so let's do that. I feel like I'd rather talk about In the Mouth of Badness <laughs> first. Let's flip a coin. All right. Uh, I'm going to go online to a coin flip. How do we both verify that we're
0: flipping the same coin?
1: Um, I'm sure there's some service that does that. All right, let's find it. <laughs> 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 okay, here you go. Coin tosser. You ready, bro? Yeah, but I, I can't trust that you've done it right. I'm going to send it to you. No, but how do we know we... No, it's some fucking thing that I'm going to send to you. All Jesus right. Christ. All right.
0: It says the toss was already completed. Oh. Should I just go back to the home website?
1: What? Oh, man, this does not work at all. <laughs> well, let's try another one. God damn. I'll try it with you. Try this one. It said the toss is already completed, so... Yeah, That's or is this not work? Uh, wait, okay, let's see. I, I got one. Okay, heads, ogs, tails. Okay, here we go. Let's see if this works.
0: It says that coin toss ID was not recognized. Check the what URL the fuck? and check <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, my lord. <laughs> Why does this not work? This should be so easy.
0: <laughs> All right, here we go. I think I've got one. All right, that's the same fucking thing. What? Did you find one? No. Well, we're not proceeding until we settle this.
1: Okay, I think I found one that I can do, and then I can send the result to you, okay? You could just do it. Do
0: it however many times you want to get the desired result. No, but
1: it'll, it'll show. It'll show how many times I've done it too. I think.
0: Mm, I don't. Okay. know About that.
1: <laughs> but what else do you fucking suggest? It's... <laughs>
0: we could. Uh, we could do it over. Uh, no. Okay. All right. So, go so, do is it.
1: That up, is that up the video chat. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that.
1: <laughs> That'd be way too much work. I don't want to see your face. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? Do you want heads or tails?
0: I want uh, tails
1: okay. It was heads <laughs> Give me the proof, motherfucker i <laughs> am just got to do my IP real quick So I can whip this a bunch of times <laughs> you happy? No Why not? Look at the link I sent you That doesn't prove anything <laughs> Yeah, it does it proves a result of heads. <laughs> the problem is now I can't do it because under my statistics it says one heads and one tails. So I did one tails to test it out and now it looks like. <laughs> it's fine, oh, I right. here, the are you. here you. the,
0: the test out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, why don't, why don't we. Have, now, having said that, I can share the uh, statistics with you. All right? do you see this? Let me, let me send this to you. Okay. But as you click that link, it says one heads ones tails, but it doesn't say which order. Okay. But no no now now I can do it again and you'll know <laughs> which one it is, right? <laughs> Does that make sense? Do you accept this? Hang on. Okay? Can I do this now? <laughs> For fuck's sake. Alright, we'll talk about angst first. I can't even it anymore. <laughs> no no no. Alright, it was heads, so <laughs> I why do I do I don't know?
2: I'm a psycho, it seems and I wonder if my dreams will come true, I hope so. I have pretty bad dreams, yeah. All right, so
1: eggs. Um stop why did you wanna... jingling. I wanna jingle. Well okay, let's let's start with this question, you why did you wanna watch eggs? Uh, because I had a copy of
0: Angst on a USB stick. Mm. End of answer.
1: Why, why did you have a copy of uh, that on a USB stick?
0: Because uh, my brother gave it to me.
1: So you really just wanted to cross lead off of your uh, backlog. And it's like
0: classified as a horror
1: film mm. sometimes. So um, do you want me to introduce this film or do you want you to introduce this film?
0: I'll introduce this film. Okay. Motherfucker. Wow.
1: What an asshole. You're just afraid to admit
0: that you lost parents where Based on the real-life case of uh, Werner Nysack, a notorious Austrian murderer. Mm. We've the proper term is Spree Killer. Angst from 1983 is a day-in-the-life portrait of one Irvin leader who on release from prison breaks into a family home and torments its residents. Also kills them. Mm. And uh, utilizing internal narration of this leader character, the film also integrates the words of other famous serial killers, such as Peter Curtin, as uh, leader bluntly explains his past and his sordid desires.
2: Danach is it eine gut gegangen, bis ich die 70-Jährige habe. Oh God, war wort.
0: So it's directed by Gerald Cargill, and it seems to be his only real feature film. Or in the uh, fiction it, it, feature, it, yeah,
1: directed a couple others, but none of them got really got have Wikipedia pages so It's a,
0: his only fiction feature, so that I can see. Um, so apparently, Cargill funded the film himself uh, by taking out debts. Mm. So I think it was about four
1: hundred thousand euro. You mean whatever the German currency was back then, or the Austrian rather
0: This was this was like a contemporary interview, so he used yeah. euro, uh, a relatively contemporary interview. And after the film's release, uh, he had to start making commercials for a number of years in order to repay the money. And then he seems to have later concentrated on documentaries and educational films. Mm. In the interview I read, which is from 2003, he said he was working on a new film, but doesn't seem to have materialized.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was quite a while ago.
0: And we should also mention the more difficult to pronounce uh, cinematographer, co-writer, and editor... Mm. Uh, Zb- <laughs> Zbigniew <laughs> uh uh-huh. who conceived the film's ingenious camera techniques. Mm. So, yeah, we basically just follow this, uh, this crazy guy as he kills a bunch of people, right? That's the film. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of this film, Hunter?
1: Uh, Hugh, I will admit that, uh, I was... I thought that the cinematography of this film was pretty engrossing. Hmm. But... Uh, I always hate it when people... use that as, like, a... a thing to express their... taste. Um, and... to be honest, I did not like this film that much. Mm. Uh, I thought it was pretty off-putting. Obviously, it's deliberately off-putting. But... Uh, I didn't really feel like um, it was putting me off for any real reason, and I just thought it was kind of sadistic and violent and uh, unenjoyable, and um, I think it justified itself. Mm. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. Um, I I have to follow that up with a question actually, which is, uh, what. What what version of the film did you watch? The 83 minute version or the 75 minute version?
0: Oh, uh, I think it was,
1: I think it was 85 minutes. Mm. Cause I, I watched the shorter version because it was the version that I had uh, access to. Which is the director's cut. Apparently. So I guess my review is provisionally only for this 73 minute version. So
0: once again, we've seen two different versions of the same film. <laughs> Yes. I didn't actually find much information about the director's cut. I know, that, I know there was, there was like issues with its original release, but it was originally released in Austria with no cuts, right? I don't, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know where the director's cut comes into it, to be honest.
1: Well, I'm always interested in director's cuts that take time off of a film rather than add it in.
0: So in the interview that he did in 2003, when they asked him about what he thinks of the film now, or then, uh. he said that he didn't like the fact that they showed the, the violence in such graphic detail, mm. uh, mainly the the one uh, bloody murder that we see in the film.
1: Yeah, that part's um, pretty disgusting. <laughs> and he
0: and if, if he was doing it again now or then in 2003, he wouldn't have shown it. He would have left that up to the audience's imagination to some extent. Mm. I'm guessing if it was in your version, then whatever director's cut was made was made Maybe closer to the time of the original release.
1: Hmm. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, I definitely saw that super violent scene where he's stabbing the the little, the girl. Did he still fuck the corpse? Yeah. Okay. Just checking. And it all over the the wall. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Same. Same. <laughs> Great. Great.
2: Addendum. This is an addendum, cause you are depending on truth and not the bending of truth. Is the addendum, this is the addendum to what you just heard. Okay,
0: so after recording this, I went and checked what the actual facts were, and it turns out that the original screened version, the premiere version in Austria, was the 75-minute version, which is now called The Director's Cut, and then the distributors uh, insisted on the addition of a prologue, and that prologue involved an opening murder sequence in which uh, a leader murders two random old people in a house, and then some third-party narration that explains his backstory prior to us seeing him in prison and being exposed to his own voiceover. So that was not the intention of uh, the creative team and they added it at the behest of the distributor and then when Cargill had a chance to do a director's cut, he removed the prologue entirely and also because he was uncomfortable with the way he depicted the bloody murder at the centre of the film, he made the controversial decision of darkening the image for that sequence. later director's cuts on DVD and Blu-ray releases restored the original lighting for that scene and gave the option of having the prologue there or not. But essentially the proper version is without the prologue. So that was the version Hunter watched and I watched the originally distributed version which had the prologue. Back to the show. So it didn't it didn't really do much for you.
1: Yeah, that's true. I th-
0: I thought it was effective for what it was. Uh certainly an effective display of technique if nothing else. And I can so I can understand why it wouldn't really work for you.
1: I just I I guess I've sort of become sick of films that are just where people praise them just for their their technical prowess, you know. Well, basically this is
0: Psychopath the Ride. Yeah. So the camera is either mounted uh, on the central actor, creating this sort of disorienting pseudo POV effect that I think we've grown used to now, but would have been quite new at the time. Yeah. So it's it's either we're either following him that closely or the camera is tracking him from a high angle as he goes about his murdering business.
1: Yeah, sort of surveillance or God's eye view.
0: Well, it sort of, to me, it kind of felt like it was alternating between a theme park ride and a murder simulation game.
3: <laughs>
0: like, it, it it was like almost The Sims angle. Yeah, I could see that. At times, when he was running about the house and stuff. And uh, as as Cargill later explained, mounting the camera on the actor in particular was intended to isolate him from his surroundings and emphasise the way he's he's disconnected from ordinary society. I'm not saying as to whether that necessarily justifies... Uh, the film on a thematic as well as a technical level, but that was his explanation. Mm. I don't think it is just style.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either necessarily, but I found the substance to it to be, I don't know, kind of conservative, so mm. in a way. Like, I feel like this film sort of is like an argument. You know, you could either read it as sort of a structural critique of how, you know, this society is has... Um, created this person, right? Mm. Or you could read it as a argument for why the death penalty should be implemented and people who are, you know, display like psychopathic tendencies should be locked up for the rest of their lives, right?
0: Also, so yeah, you're, you're talking about like the, the potential incoherence there and the two uh, opposed readings that you could take. But I also think that the thing I liked about it is the, the constant retelling of his story. So first we hear it from an impartial like third party narration.
1: Uh-huh. Then
0: we hear it repeatedly uh, in his internal monologue. Yeah. To me that that it it, it made for a kind of ironic pathologizing
1: mm.
0: where we we keep hearing the same story over and over as if it's actually going to explain these hideous acts of violence and it's almost positing that they can't be reduced to pat biographical interpretations. Yeah. It kind of felt like a joke to me. I, didn't, I did not get that. That kind of extends to the what you could interpret as metatextual stuff in the way he tries to stage direct the murders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and obviously that doesn't really go to plan in the end, but that mirrors what the film is doing. The violence is kind of devoid of conventional thrills, and I think it's more disturbing as a result. And, and what I, I particularly appreciated in as much as you can appreciate the sight of someone horribly murdering people, there's th- there's this awkward physicality to the violence uh, that's emphasised in a way that it's usually allotted in other depictions of screen violence. Mm. So we, we get to watch as Lita laboriously drags all these bodies over, like, broken glass and downstairs in a way that looks genuinely painful for the actors having to vomit, especially the elderly ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, which made... The whole production seemed vaguely immoral to me. Yeah, so. it did.
0: I agree, um, but yeah, I think there's 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 interesting stuff in this film. I don't, I didn't, I didn't find it necessarily like an empty exercise or anything. It's not necessarily my cup of tea. I don't particularly like this type of thing, but no, I I can respect
1: this film. I I don't think that I can.
0: I like I really like the score as well, which was by an ex Tangerine Dream member mm. Klaus Schulz. I thought it was. Okay. Like initially it's kind of like the sort of score you see Dario Argento white. Yeah. It's the sort of score you'd you'd expect Um, similar to the score in Suspiria and uh, similar to John Carpenter, who we'll talk about that tinkly arpeggio uh, minor key arpeggio type thing. Um, But then it it goes into this great extended sequence where he's uh, dragging the bodies around the house and it's playing the same song over that the whole time i thought i thought that was uh, the best bit of music mm. and it was distinct in a way that the other bits weren't so much good stuff
1: yeah I, I just feel like this kind of felt like a snuff film i mean intentionally right but in a way that uh, i just i did not i did not care for it i uh, wish i had not watched it to be honest <laughs> <clears throat> yeah this is uh a miss for me <laughs> one of our rare uh critical disagreements
0: i can kind of see the the angle where the film may have been stronger if it didn't show that central murder as graphically as it did
1: yeah i can kind of agree with that too
0: that did seem a bit over the top
1: and i feel like if, if you want to talk about how um you know the, the sort of like his fantasy buddied up against like the, the like brutal reality of it right uh, I feel like that's the part that feels the most fantastical, you know? Yeah. And, like, it, it has this, like, a sense of orgasm to it, which is, like, obviously it's intentionally trying to make you feel disturbed, but I just don't feel like, at a certain point, I, I feel like replicating the, that, that I don't know, like the psychological um, effects or the, the emotions experienced by a serial killer in, in film form, it just seems a little pointless to me, you know? And, and again, that's normally where I approach these type of films. It's weird. But do you feel like this one kept you at enough of a distance from it that you didn't feel that way?
0: Yeah, there, there was something about this that I think I think made it more interesting to me and more satisfying to me. And okay, I didn't feel like it was endorsing the violence or just trying to get kicks from it.
1: No, I I, I agree with that. I don't think it's, but I don't know. Like yeah, it, at least with like um, like fetishization of violence, like there's a purpose behind it, you know. But I do think that the the lead guy was impressive. Uh, um, impeccably disgusting So mm. There is that He's uh, he's from Das Boot I think Never seen it, never will Me either, I'm okay. a never ending story guy I'm an Air Force One guy Did he do that? Yeah
0: Wow Jordan Peterson did Air Force One, I didn't even know that Wolfgang <laughs> Wolfgang Wolf <King>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did it again on the podcast this time. Damn it! That was so much funnier than the other ones. It's not even like the same class of person that you're mixing, mixing up. <laughs> uh, let's see, Troy. He joked a Troy. Uh, sorry, I've just been reading the Twelve Rules of Life. So <laughs> uh, you you started to confront your chaos dragons. You finally started cleaning your room. Uh, you're the lobster or whatever. Yeah. Wasn't he? Didn't he recently go to like um, a anonymous or into a. Uh, what you got a detox program recently? Yeah, I think so. A
0: drug thing, I think.
1: Well, I hope that he overdoses and then dies. So <laughs> not to get grim. Uh, but I think anyone who deliberately misgenders people is are scum and uh, deserve to die. You heard it here first, guys.
0: So you're more of a Ben Shapiro guy.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Well, we forgot our
0: rating systems that we established for like one film. I mean, and then, we,
1: we had a, we had a great rating system that I invented. It was for Ad Astra. No, uh, what was the?
0: We have to make a pun on the film title that reflects our opinion. So, <laughs> okay, for okay, example,
1: okay, go for it.
0: Uh, this is hard because it's a
2: one-word title.
0: <laughs> um, so you thought it stanks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Whereas I thought
1: it, uh, Grankst. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to In the Mouth of Madness. John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth
2: of Madness, we lead to badness. In the end of our life, on the face of the plan.
1: Movie, which stars Sam Neill, New Zealand's own Sam Neill. That's right. As a insurance investigator a la double indemnity. Mm hmm. Uh, who is introduced to the film being wheeled into a sanitarium.
2: I'm not insane. You hear me? I'm
1: not insane. He draws all these crosses over himself. Uh, an unnamed sort of operative um, played by David Warner. Walks in, starts interviewing him about his life. Flashback. It, it seems there's some sort of light apocalypse going on outside the sanitarium's walls.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and now you're going to find out why. Which is that so? Sam is wrapping up a case with the company that he works for. And then he uh, goes and gets dinner with the company head or lunch or whatever. He goes to a diner and uh, the, the city that he's living in is plastered with ads for uh, the newest novel by
2: horror writer Sutter Kane a harmless pop phenomenon or a deadly mad prophet of the printed page this was the scene today outside several city bookstores police believe the riots began because the stores could not meet the demand for advance orders of Sutter Kane's latest novel in the mouth
1: of madness his publishing company uh, has insurance from this insurance company uh, that Samuel works for. And um, he has gone missing um, before um, finishing his most recent novel. And they kind of want him to track him down to see if everything is right, if if the company is just, you know, trying to defraud the insurance company. Sort of standard stuff. Um, so... Sam Neill, being the intrepid uh, investigator that he is, purchases all these Sutter Kane books, pieces together a map that uh, suggests that Sutter Kane has absconded to the thought to be fictional hovel of Hobbs End, which is uh, a location in his book, The Horror at Hobbs End. Now I know why Kane had the artwork done himself. See this? It's a map. Uh, And so, Sam Neill goes there uh, with a plucky female uh, editor played by Julie Carmen in tow to see if that's where Sutter King is. And will what they find there drive them insane? We'll find out, I guess. So, Hugh, um, I think we've both sort of expressed admiration for John Carpenter in the past. Um, and I think I especially have sort of come around on I uh, really uh, appreciate him and, and you know, considering him one of the, you know, uh, up there American filmmakers. I've been reading this Andrew Sarris book for my thesis. Mm-hmm. He talks about the pantheon of, of American filmmakers. And, uh, and I feel like uh, for the films of John Carpenter's that I've watched, he hasn't quite breached that, my particular pantheon. But uh, I feel like he's getting close to every additional film that I've watched. Not to spoil my feelings on this one per se, um, I know that you appreciate Halloween. And actually, I don't really know about the rest of the filmography with you. I think we've talked about They Live on this show, have we? haven't we?
0: Uh, we might have. Let's go through them all and quickly give yeah. our respective opinions. Yeah, yeah. So Dark Star. Never seen it. I have seen it, and I'm a big fan. Mm. Assault on Precinct 13. Never seen it. I have seen it, and I remember it being pretty good. Halloween, we both Great. have seen. And we both genius. Love. The Fog, I've never seen. Have you seen it?
1: No, but I would really much like to.
0: Uh, Escape from New York.
1: Yes. Great. And it's it's great. The Thing. Yes, but not since I was a teenager, so I don't really... I have very positive associations with it, but I'd like to watch it again before I render my exact opinion. Uh,
0: Pretty much the same, although I'm pretty sure I'll still like it, because I I think I saw it a bit older.
1: I've seen the scene where the guy gets his hand cut off by the... The mouth and the guy's stomach, maybe a hundred times. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Let's ne- next Christine. Christine, never seen it, but never really want it. to. Starman, Star never seen it. I'm a big fan. <laughs> big Trouble in Little China, never seen it.
0: I have seen it, and I've only seen it once, a long time ago, and I remember it being good.
1: But right. I watched sure. the first five minutes of it once, and then didn't watch the rest. Prince of Darkness. The second
0: film in his supposed apocalypse trilogy that In the Mouth of Madness caps mm, off.
1: And that The Thing is the first one of.
0: Yes. Uh, I've never seen it.
1: Mm. They live. Seen it. Love it. Probably my favorite of his films.
0: It's not my favorite of his films, but I have seen
1: it and it is great. Um, Memoirs of Invisible Man. Never seen it. (laughs) Never heard of it. (laughs) In the Mouth of Madness. Seen it. About to talk about it. it. (laughs) Village of the Damned. Nope. Uh, Escape from LA Seen it. Seen it. Really like it. Think it is unjustly maligned. What about you? The surfing sequence is amazing. <laughs> it is.
3: <laughs>
1: There's some it definitely has some problems, but I think it is a worthwhile follow up to the first one. And then I have not seen any of his uh, the other three films that he directed.
0: I'm not sure if I ever saw vampires or not. I remember it coming out.
1: But I'm just not sure. Speaking of um I don't know that's James Woods. What, what vampire movie is Gary Busey in? Is he in a vampire movie?
0: Yeah, The Buddy Holly Story.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy was a real vampire to his fans. Yeah. He didn't die in the plane crash. He just got... Yeah, he just went to Transylvania.
0: Um, Ghosts of Mars, I've seen bits
1: of. I don't think I've seen the full thing. And, the, and war, the War is his most
0: recent film.
1: And also his television film. Someone's Watching Me, Elvis, Body Bags. Haven't seen any of them. I didn't realize Elvis was just a
0: television film.
1: Yeah. The that's where he met uh, that's where he met um russell
0: mm. i thought it Great. had a cinematic release that's all all right we've seen a, a fair chunk of his filmography and yeah we both we both like the dude yeah i don't think i've ever been like disappointed by his films mm. which yeah which is interesting yeah but i guess we haven't seen the ones that are in the, the margins
1: mm, that's true what did you think of in the mouth of madness you
0: what did I think of uh, In the Mouth of Madness? Yeah. So to me, this feels like a past prime Carpenter film. But I don't mean that as a criticism. There is just something about his films from maybe they live beyond, if not earlier, where he feels a bit behind the times. Again, not a criticism. Mm. They don't have the visceral contemporary or somewhat contemporary edge of like his signature horror works like Halloween or The Thing.
1: Oh, well, that's not necessarily a
0: bad thing. Yep. Again, not a criticism. They feel kind of... They, there's something kind of goofy and old-fashioned about them.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true.
0: And I think this can be enjoyable as it is with They Live and as it is here. Mm. I think this is a really fun
1: film. I agree. I really enjoyed Sam Neill's performance. I agree. I I think all the performances in this are pretty, pretty good. Mm. I mean, Sam Neill barely... Does an accent, but it works. Yes. I, it, I literally did not care. <laughs> better than him doing a shitty American accent. I mean, he was attempting to do an American accent, but I mean, better is, than him doing it uh, more of an American accent. Yeah,
0: it it is kind of better when it's not <laughs> all the way.
1: Like, yeah. ever, uh, hey, I'm American. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> it feels like it doesn't feel like he's putting on an accent as much. I feel okay. I feel like he if he, he feels like he's lived in America for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they could have easily explained it by saying, like, now, you are originally born in uh, New (laughs) New Zealand. (laughs) That'd be funny. How long have you been in the States Ah, So Samuel is actually in um, Memoirs (laughs) of His Old Man. Do you know what actor that film stars? Who? Chevy Chase. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we've got to watch that. It's a a comedy science fiction film.
3: Mm.
1: Wow, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Holy shit. Uh, anyway so this is really fun yeah i i think i would go so far as to say i i love this film you know mm. i thought it was exactly sort of a, a type of horror movie i like you know when that's a little goofy very very strange silly at parts has some has some uh sort of unsettling stuff too i think
0: yeah but yeah i i kind of agree that this is also the type of uh, horror film that I appreciate. It doesn't feel at all sadistic or anything like that. Yeah. It just feels fun.
1: <laughs> I, I really, really like this sort of like shitty hard rock like theme, you know? The theme just, is great. Uh, the theme. It's great. The it's so funny. It's so good. like perfectly sets you up for this sort of like um uh b-movie flavored film yeah yeah it really does have a a lovely pulpy quality i think yeah and uh i i enjoy sort of the weird i mean it's funny that this film also kind of feels it it feels almost a continuation of like the theme of they live or like halloween three in a way Mm. parts yeah it does Um, because it, it's all about, like, the, the, I mean, it feels closer to Halloween 3 specifically because it is about, like, specifically, like, the mass media, um, uh, promulgation of, like, horror, mm. like, media, media, you know? Um, but, yeah, I think, I think this was incredibly satisfying, and it just has this, like, great texture to it that I, I really loved. <laughs> and I really like Julie Carmen as, as the, the, uh, female lead, too. Hmm. And I like that they didn't um, have a love story at all. <laughs>
0: no. In fact, he gets to punch her several times.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's how you know it's feminist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do I think there's, like, interesting stuff you can read into, like, the, um, I don't know, the ethic difference between the small town that they go to and then the city that they're initially is, are, are in. Mm. Which is shown to be sort of, like, um, you know, multiracial and and uh, uh, you know multicultural, right? Yeah. Um, and versus like the the Lily White town and, and Sutter Kinge be like you know played by Jürgen good who, I mean, you know just has the the name of a Nazi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Hugh, I, re- I miss I miss Cinemoscope. I think watching this and Halloween like so close together. I just really appreciate, like, the real, like, big widescreen compositions that are in this. Hmm. Like, I especially love the the way that he photographs the church.
0: Which was a real church, which was interesting.
1: Yeah. And it's a real town, too. And it's a real... The church is really in that town, apparently. In Ontario... And somewhere in Ontario. Oh,
0: uh, was it actually part of the same location? I think so. Maybe, I I'm, maybe, I'm,
1: maybe I'm just dumb. No, I actually... Yeah, yeah. It's Markham Ontar- and uh, Ontario, Canada. Hmm. That's where they both are. So, that's that's cool. Standing in for, you know, uh, New Hampshire. Lovecraft Country.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a, the the um, fictional author is kind of like both Stephen King and Lovecraft.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, obviously King has his Lovecraftian sort of books, too. That's true, yeah. Um, but the theme is more closer to Lovecraft than, like, a King novel. Um, and I, I really like the creature effects in this. Yeah, the practical A effects lot. Are, are great. I, I, especially like when um, Frances Bay, who uh, our listeners may know has been in several David Lynch things, uh, Like it's turned into the weird like creature in the basement.
0: And other listeners may know her from uh, having her rye stolen by Jerry Seinfeld on an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs>
1: uh, Seinfeld ripping off Twin Peaks as it always does. Oh, it did. And Hugh, did you realize that this film uh, co-stars my favorite actor of all time, Hayden Christensen? Really? Yeah. <laughs> can you guess? Can you guess what role he's in? One of the kids. Now, I could be wrong about this, but I believe that after um, Sam Neil escapes the town, he is the paper boy that he runs into on the bicycle. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that's Hayden okay. Christensen. He was Obviously, a blonde kid. I remember blonde. that. Yeah. Uh, and he's not blonde in the Star Wars movies and in uh, The Virgin Suicides. I've watched two movies that star Hayden Christensen in small roles this year, so far. <laughs> and I'm going to rewatch the Star Wars prequels, I think. Because so. we're going to do that Star Wars episode, of course. Where we're ranking all of them. Yeah, for for uh, whatever it's called, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah,
0: some terrible title. Yeah,
1: um, yeah I think this film is like pretty, pretty solid. It definitely, yeah, I, I do agree that it feels like a weight period film for him you know but yeah i don't really care it's good stuff oh, there's really nothing i disliked about it to be honest yeah no there's there's nothing really wrong with it and i particularly enjoyed
0: the driving sequences with the creepy mm. recurring cyclist yeah
1: that was that was good stuff
0: and the way he sort of hones in on the playing cards flapping against the spokes of his and bike
1: I, I do think this this film is interesting in that it it gives um you know um the female character like subjectivity in a way that a lot of like co led films like this don't, you know. Mm, that's true. Like in and a lot of like the horror of the gyrate sequences is stuff that happens specifically to her.
0: And it's unclear like what her agency actually is and, and Yeah. Stuff like that.
1: But I mean <laughs> it's unclear who anyone's agency is mm. at the in the end. Because we're all just in a Sutter Kane book you. And the ending is amazing. Yeah, when he's in the theater. Yeah. It just it just ends, it's just, the music starts playing, he's just laughing. You know? Oh it's great stuff. It's so cheesy, but it's great. Yeah. Especially Sam Neill's
0: laugh to, yeah. to earlier scenes of the
1: film. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. It's great. And it just is like hysterical laughing. Is it's really it's really good. <laughs> He's really good at this film. He's the best. What did you think of uh, my my good friend Charlton Heston? Oh yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> I do really like the scene where he's like, "What are you? T- I know that. That's a lie. You gave me the book three months ago." <laughs> that part's so good. And those reviewers come out. These murders that got, that <laughs> 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 that got an axe. Great stuff. Great stuff.
0: That was funny, c- and because the line he he. Proceeds it with or processes yeah. with his like, oh so you read Solo Kane, so you know
1: what to expect. Yeah. The head. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, I haven't gone to the party yet.
0: <laughs> it's funny, um Sam Neil is great in like genre films yeah. and blockbusters and stuff. Yeah. But he's always kind of boring as like a middle brow actor in mm. Australian dramas.
1: I, like I can't say that I've seen any of those films, so well,
0: there's no reason to see those films. I mean he's <laughs> fine. But like, he's mm-hmm. particularly enjoyable in, in the context of genre films, I think.
1: Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. Are you fucking psyched for Jurassic World number three, where he's coming mm. back?
0: They're all coming back. I hope they're coming back the same way that uh, Jeff Goldblum came back for <laughs> the last film.
1: Well, do, you th- do you think he'll get cancelled before the the movie comes out? And, uh, <laughs> kind <of> out? Maybe. <laughs> That'd be funny. No, I feel, I feel like Goldblum's going to escape the cancelling
0: probably just, like, appear in a chat show and be, like, all scatterbrained and stuff. <laughs> It'd be fine.
1: He'd <laughs> be like, oh, he's, he's a old man. He didn't mean what he was doing. It did make people want to watch, this made you want to watch Prince of Darkness. Me too. I also want to say, you've seen it, but I want to say Possession. Mm, good stuff. I, I recommend that film quite a bit. Oh, he's also in that, isn't he? Yeah, that's why I mentioned I mean, he, it. He looks, he looks, like, weirdly young in that film. He's good in it though. That's such a strange film. And Omen Three: The Final Conflict, of course. Uh, anything else?
0: So, it's not in the mouth of badness. No, it's in, it's the, in the
1: mouth of
3: glad three. we watched itness. Yeah,
1: I did. I really like the joke at the beginning, where they start playing the Carpenters, and Sandy was like, "Oh God, not the Carpenters!" The, I enjoyed it as like a out like. <laughs> thing too. It feels very rewatchable. Yeah, it definitely does. And I I just, I miss horror movies that were like this, you know? Hmm. That weren't like, I think the predominant genres now are like really dour horror films, you know? Give me slashers, give me movies like this. That's what I want out of my life, out of my horror films. And also let John Carpenter make more movies if he wants to. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't seem like he's kind of content just Playing video games and uh <laughs> uh making, music, making so. music. Yeah. yeah Anyway, let's uh let's move on.
2: Burn. Hollywood burn. That's right, Mama.
3: Burn.
1: Hollywood. Burn. Which weekend should we do? The most recent one? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. Moody, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready.
2: Box office hooray, box office hooray, box office hooray, box office hooray, box office
0: So weekend box office for both countries on the count of three. Three, okay, this is the weekend, two, October
1: eighteen through twenty. Y- yes. yes. Three,
0: two, one. Joker. My number one
1: movie is Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Hmm.
0: It's number two
1: here. Hmm. How fascinating.
0: So obviously we have more incels in Australia than.
1: You know, you surprised really? No. America probably should have more incels, but I'll show you as more incels per capita. Probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes. I've got it. I've got the news. Let's hear it. If it's something Kevin Smith related, I'm gonna to come to. I'll, I'll show you. And kill you. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Let me see if there is something Kevin Smith mm-hmm.
1: related I So go. Go ahead.
0: Okay. I'm gonna be uh, loyal to my hometown. Yeah. And uh, say that uh, James Wan's horror thriller *Malignant* has just gotten a release date. Hmm. Great. There you go, that's the news. Your turn. Uh, Mine is... (laughs) I'm not going to say what the wrong state is. Um, August 14th.
1: Mine is Michael Mann to direct HBO Max's Tokyo Vice. So, new TV series that Michael Mann is going to direct. I'm just going to use it to direct anything in a while. And I'm actually going to go see Mr. Mann give a talk after a screen of his film The Insider next Friday at the Museum of Modern Art.
0: Man, no. throw
1: that, throw that
0: uh, corkscrew across the room. Second <laughs> <laughs> my dick. Okay, now it's time for... Bonus Features. Bonus Features, Bonus.
2: Bonus Features. Bonus Features, Bonus. Bonus Features.
0: So, I've only watched two films. Uh, the first of which is... El Camino A Breaking Bad movie Did you ever watch the show?
1: I watched the first Three or four seasons And I stuck it out
0: I stuck it out I think I think I watched it all Pretty sure I watched it all
1: What do you Do you you like it?
0: Um, I think it had something Going for it I didn't I wasn't completely on board And there were Parts of it I felt
1: Were weak I got a little, I got a little bored with the heavy handedness of the whole thing. Yeah. eventually There there were definitely elements of it that were quite weak, I thought, but
0: when it was good, it was very watchable. I think there was something compulsive about it. Mm. Uh, The Breaking Bad movie is fine. You know, I mean, it doesn't really exist on its own in the sense that someone who was unfamiliar with the series would get much out of it, but obviously it doesn't exist in that context. It's, it's it's a movie that follows on from a series. So it is yes. what it
1: is. Which I'm going to talk about
0: a similar thing in a bit. Hmm. But yeah, it's, it's enjoyable enough. If you were into the show, I'd recommend it. If you weren't, I wouldn't. I'm not going to watch it. Um, and the only other film I watched, I watched only last night. And it was yeah. Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. The sequel to... Mamma Mia. Uh Uh-huh. And this is a bit of a peculiar sequel in that, uh, obviously, the star of the first film, or one of the main stars of the first film, one of the main draws of the first film, Meryl Streep, uh, didn't particularly want to come back and commit to an entire film. Uh So they have uh, unceremoniously disposed of her character. (laughs) <laughs> and the best of is they don't even explain how she died. They're just like, oh, she died a year ago. That's
1: funny. So she doesn't appear in it at all? She does appear in it. Oh.
0: She obviously committed to appearing in it, a scene as a ghost, essentially. Oh. But she's otherwise not, in it, you know, she could have done it. Getting,
1: in, it's just about her getting fucked as a young person, right?
0: Yeah. She okay. she could have done her, like, scene in, like, less than a day. Hmm. So then they're like, okay, what do we do with this film now? Um, So the first film felt like an excuse to sing some ABBA songs and get a cast of old favourites together for the baby boomers. And this feels like even more of an excuse for a film. (laughs) This feels like a bonus feature to the first film. (laughs) But that's kind of the charm of the whole endeavour, honestly.
1: That it's fucking stupid garbage.
0: Kind of the best part of the first film was Pierce Brosnan, and there's not enough Pierce Brosnan in this one. So yeah, as, as you've already alluded to, this, this has a lot of sequences that uh, take place in the past when Meryl Streep was played by a different actress.
1: Lily James.
0: Called Lily James. And she's actually quite good in it,
1: I think. From Baby Driver.
0: But it ha- yeah, it just has even less narrative momentum than the first film, which is kind of quite an astonishing feat. And, uh, but it's still kind of enjoyable. It's still kind of fun, I think. Mm. And silly. The the other funny part is they, you know, they blew their load on a lot of the top tier ABBA songs and they have to sort of (laughs) scrape around for some other ABBA songs and just repeat some of the hits again in the second film. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm, as an Australian, I'm reasonably susceptible to ABBA, so I appreciated
1: it enough. That's all I watched. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. I watched a number of films. I actually watched more than I thought. Um, so I guess I'll start with the Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, uh, which so far, of the Halloween films I've, I've watched, is the first one that I don't like at all. Mm. Uh, and if the fourth one is kind of a generic slasher movie in the guise of a Halloween film, this one is like a incoherent slasher in the guise of a Halloween film. Uh, it doesn't do anything interesting. Um,
3: uh. Michael
1: Myers kills a lot of people with a pitchfork, which is kind of fun.
0: As in, he murders them with printouts from the famous music
1: review site yeah exactly um but there's actually one great sequence where michael myers does his old trick of pretending to be a, a woman's boyfriend in costume <laughs> which he does in three films i think um and uh he but the difference is, is that the in one and two it's post coitus where he takes this the boyfriend's place but in this one uh, he's driving around in his car, pretending to be and There's this really bizarre scene where the girlfriend's like, I need, I, I, stop for cigarettes. And Michael Myers stops so this woman can go get cigarettes. It's just really <laughs> strange. It's really, it's an odd film, but not especially enjoyable one. So it's an oddie, but not a goodie. Yeah, I mean, it's not even that odd. It just has some odd sequences like that. Um, so it's an oddie, but not a goodie. Yeah. And there's, a, there's actually a one shot reaction. that stayed with me that I really thought was distasteful. Where, hmm. like, Michael Myers is, like, going to stab this little girl. And, like, the way that it's framed, is, it kind of looks like he's going to rape her. Which I thought was really, like, grotesque and horrible. Um, so, gross stuff. Uh, then I watched Abel Ferreira's King of New York, which I thought was a great film. Uh, just, like, this really great atmospheric, like, crime drama that has this... Uh, amazing cast of uh, Christopher Walken and Lawrence Fishburne and um, David Caruso and Victor Argo and um, Steve Buscemi in like one scene and jean Esposito in another small role. Just this like fantastic ensemble. It's just this like sprawling you know. Ensemble. Uh, incredibly well photographed um, <laughs> vision of of, of Crime and uh, I just, I really thought that it also has this, like, really um, interesting way of, like, portraying the police and, um, you know, the, the criminals as, as uh, embodied by Christopher Walken as, like, almost, like, symbiotic and um, reflections of each other's structure, you know? So that was really interesting. And it does a really good job of uh, making uh, Christopher Walken seem like the loneliest person in the world at the end of it. So it's good stuff. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, then I checked on down to the theater to watch Mr. America, uh, the continuation the fuck's of the that? Uh, On Cinema, <laughs> at the cinema, um, web series. Mm-hmm. Um, so On Cinema is a sort of parody of review show starring t- t- sh- Fuck You. <laughs> I didn't do anything on purpose. I dropped some cards. Oh, I was yeah. Thinking. Okay. Okay. Sure. sure. It's true. Uh, uh, this, this parody review show, sort of parody of like the, um, Cisco and it's Ebert It's a parody format. of our podcast. Yeah. It's a parody of our podcast, basically. Um, but I, I think it more draws from like Cisco and Ebert. Like that's like, like the, the direct target. No, the original
0: uh, podcast was just a parody of
1: other shitty film podcast, wasn't it? Yeah. But the, the, yeah, but the show is more like Cisco and Ebert. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's a spinoff of the show and um, plot wise there's this thing that happened a couple of years ago. Maybe it was just last year or two years ago called The Trial of Tim Heidecker, where uh, the character that Tim Heidecker plays is also named Tim Heidecker, and uh, he hosted this electronic music festival that ended with um, 20 people dying because of bad vape pens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, he gets exonerated or not exonerated. There's a mistrial in that uh, and then he the fall. This is like the follow up to that plot line where he's running for district attorney, or district attorney.
0: Feels like you've been talking um, for district attorney.
1: Yeah, but I think this one was really great and really funny. Um, but I do not think if you like on um, cinema that you should watch it because I imagine it would be just incomprehensible. So, but it's really funny. You go. But anyway, so. Um, so I didn't even talk for Anson about Anson for that long, so fuck you. <laughs> um, and then I watched Halloween the court the Curse of Michael Myers, the sixth Halloween film, mm-hmm. um, which is really crazy uh, and enjoyably so. Um, there's the intimation that Michael Myers has like this cult sex with this woman, who's also his niece, and then that sex results in a child, <laughs> which is really weird. Um, Paul Rudd plays the kid that uh, Laurie shirt is babysitting in the first we movie, all grown up. Uh, it has a lot of <laughs> nonsense about, like, runes and and curses and all this gibberish, and, and it has this, like, stupid mythology that I think is really enjoyable and, and batch it. Uh, there's a great scene where uh, um, a little kid is being held hostage by a woman with a knife, or an old woman with a knife. Uh, and, you know, after the sort of really boring and... Um, Almost unwatchable. Like Halloween Five, Halloween Six is a really uh, enjoyably crazy film. <laughs> hmm. uh, even if I find sort of the um, odd intimation of sexual violence to be a spice that I did not need in my Halloween movies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but it has. I mean, like the the you know like the murders are pretty uninteresting. So it sort of loses points. Like the the problem is that all this like strange and and. Um, enjoyably crazy cult stuff is like welded onto a kind of a standard Halloween film, which sort of makes it lose points a bit. Um, but uh, overall, it's it's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> it's not, it's not good, but it's it's definitely enjoyable. Uh, then I rewatched *Blade* which I think I've already talked about on the show, but you know remains yeah. perfect, great film. Uh, I went and saw the four K restoration of *Alien*, which is kind of a funny story about that, which is. Um, I went with a couple friends, and my friend had bought tickets for him and our other friend. And um, we walked into the theater, and they scanned my friend's tickets, and then they were like, oh, theater four or whatever. And then uh, they came and I was like, I'm just with them, so you don't have to tell me it again. Um, and we went to theater four. We were sitting there. I saw the uh, Sony uh, logo come on the screen, and then the Columbia logo, and I was like, pretty sure Fox, uh, Alien is a Fox film, but, you know. Uh, and then, lo and behold, Gil, what, what film did we watch 15 minutes of before we got <laughs> in disgust? Which film was released last weekend that was a Sony or Columbia film? Do you know this? It's a sequel uh, to a film that came out many years ago.
0: Maleficent?
1: No. That is a Disney film.
0: Uh, a Sony Columbia film that is a sequel yeah. to a film from years ago.
1: Yes. that A film that definitely did not need a sequel. <laughs> that, I don't know really- why. 2049? No, a film that came out uh, last weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. Zombie Land 2. Oh, God. (laughs) So uh, we watched 50 minutes of that. My one friend wanted to stay and watch it, and I was like, this is fucking torture. Uh, (laughs) So he walked out, and it turns out that my friend had accidentally bought tickets for the day previous to that day to see this, to see Alien. Um, But eventually we got it all sorted out, and we went to it. Uh, this is another film that I watched. And I was kind of feverish, and that kind of um, made it a little, um, you know, kind of diminished the experience a little bit. But it's still great, you know, it's just a film that has so much different, so much stuff happening in it. But it's it's just a wonder of direction and production design, first and foremost. You're talking about the 15 minutes of uh, yeah. <laughs> zombie. <laughs> <Yeah>. 2. <laughs> Z- zombie two double tap. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh,
0: that's by that's written by the the Deadpool writers, right? Oh yeah directed so by the and then directed by the guy who did venom so wow yeah um, so maybe but, the good direction outweighs
1: the bad screen yeah I the, think' great 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 direction of venom uh anyway, so alien is a great film you you've you've seen it obviously you like it
0: yeah like it's right? great
1: um I think I do prefer Blade Runner on the balance and I actually think the one problem I did have with watching it this time and I haven't seen it since I was like a teenager. Um, was I, I thought the score was kind of bad, actually. <laughs> like, there's some good stuff with the soundtrack and, like, the sound effects. But the sound design and stuff. Yeah, the yeah. sound design is, like, really strong. Um, but the score is just sort of like a blinkly, you know, like, car movie score. It just was not I can't remember the score that well. Yeah, so there you honest. go. Yeah. Uh, which is such a, it's so crazy that Blade Runner has, you know, one of the great scores of all time in comparison to to sort of shoddy one in Alien. But Alien's still a great film. So, there you go. And I would like it if they never made another one. Uh, then I went, I watched... Um, I finally... I bought the Blu-ray of this film quite a while ago and finally cracked it open and sucked it into my Blu-ray player and watched uh, a film that I assume is one of your favorites, uh, Yojimbo. Uh,
0: and, yeah, it's good. And it's
1: good stuff. Uh, um, t-
0: it's not my favorite of
1: Kurosawa's films. No. But, but it is, uh, it's good stuff. Toshiro Mifune is amazing. <laughs> And, uh, it's interesting how many different, like, how different his, I like, compare in comparison to, like, it, you know, the films, like, pseudo-remakes and, and, uh, and a few dollars more, how different his, like, take on sort of a simple character from, uh, to the male that no name is in this, right? Hmm. Where, you know, he's, like, this sort of mysterious, like, one character, but, um, he's characterized more by this, like, sort of um, ruefulness that, um, sort of undermines or, or disarms people from his like, um, highly like controlled violence <laughs> nature too. Um, and I think he's like amazing in this film. Uh, I really like Kurosawa's, um, putting all of his like regular stock company in like small wor- worlds in this too. Like I barely even recognized like, what's his name? The guy from, uh, Akira and Seven Samurai. Uh, uh, Takashi Shimura is in this like as like this like really small role, which I thought was kind of bizarre and funny. Um, but I think it's I think it's really good, and it's just it's good to see like a movie like this that's just a really successful movie, you know. Good one. Uh, yes, I'll put that quote on
0: the front page of my like, website.
1: Uh, yeah, right. Your website doesn't have anything on it. I used to put quotes of the podcast on the front page. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, you should start doing it again with my ace Yojimbo review. Um, have you seen Sanjuro?
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to I was about to mention that because it's I really enjoy the sequel.
1: Well I have a Blu-ray of that too, so it's
0: often dismissed in com- like not as a bad film but in comparison to Yojimbo. Mm,
1: like does not live up to Yojimbo. It is, it is interesting, this film sort of like um portrayal of modernity too, I think. Hmm. Which, like sort of mostly comes in with the introduction of like the gun so on one hand like you know um yojimbo is a very like modern character right he's like sort of cynical and and like disaffected almost um but on the other hand he like uses always like he uses like this traditional like sword fighting technique and he comes from like a you know the upper class even if he's like an outcast from it like presumably you know like you can read that into the film um, um but, and then he sort of like is sort of suspicious towards Mother Nature. Like, like, there's that great scene where he like picks up the gun after he's killed the guy who's used it. And he's just like, oh, what, what is this thing? They really <laughs> loved um, And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just such a solid film, you know? Chris I is really good at making films that you want to watch, you know? He's a pretty entertaining bloke. Yeah. Sure. And this is him
0: in, in more entertaining mode than some of his other works.
1: Yeah, it's, def, it's definitely, like, a pulpier, Even if you can sort of, like, read, like, spiritual themes into this too, which I think is are in a lot of his films, you know? Hmm. Because um, there's something about, like, him, Yojimbo know, being, like, associated with, like, natural forces too, right? But, yeah, this sort of sits with the sequel, center and also, like, Hidden Fortress as well. Yeah, but it's definitely definitely not a film that is hard to watch at, at any point. And, no. in fact, very entertaining and great. So um yeah, definitely definitely recommended for it's just it's just a good it's just a good film. I don't know what to say besides that. Not like a s especially like super deep film that you can't make it like really interesting readings into it, it, I think. But and I, I as I discussed on Twitter, I do it, like like the weird sort of um relationship that it has with like Western culture too. And you know how they talk about the fact
0: that uh obviously this led to the Sergio Leone films, right? Yeah. And the man with no name archetype. But he yeah. does have a name
1: in the film. Yeah. And in your Jimbo. Or well, he, he, like, gives them a fake name.
0: No, no. He has a real name in the film. Because remember that point where the character uh, is trying to get his attention? He's like, yo, Jimbo. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch you in the face. <laughs> Just hearing Murphy, he plays Jimba. <laughs> this is like the dumbest part of this podcast uh, Over The last like two years, we've been Jimbo doing this.
2: Jimbo the <laughs> God.
1: Uh, anyway, great. So next uh, film. The only other film I watched is a little film that I was dreading seeing, but ended up thinking it was just whatever. Was Judge a Rabbit? Hmm. Uh, which we've discussed. Life is beautiful. Which I feel like this film has been compared to a lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, as a atrocious example of cinema. Um, and I did not think this film was atrocious. I just thought it was kind of overly sentimental and boring. So, there you go. Fair enough. But it has some funny moments. And uh, continuing the trend of Sam Rockwell playing a racist. So, mm-hmm. good stuff. yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think, like, it's so weird that they positioned this as like a weird anti-satire, hate and it doesn't really <laughs> seem to I just don't see what I watch through I don't see it as a satire I don't understand what it's satirizing exactly mm. um but didn't hate it um never will watch it again would not recommend anyone watch it but I didn't hate it what about on the fence Nazis um I don't know why this would convince them not to be Nazis. <laughs> I think one of the, 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 the main problem that this film has is that every character in it, there's no, like, real Nazis in it, besides, like, the faceless, like, Gestapo, you know? Hmm. I think it's sort of a flawed um, of it, where no one seems to really... They're all sort of buffoonish, right? Yeah, but, I mean, even, like, um, the Commandant, who's played by St. Rockwell, like, at the end, he's not... I mean, he's, like, the, the reveal of the film is that he's, like, gay, right? And, you know, like, he sacrifices himself for the kid at the end, so it's, like, hmm. you know, and he saves, like, the Jewish girl. So it's, like, the, again, like, there's, like, Rebel Wilson plays, like, the this Nazi frauen who's, like, you know, just repeats um, uh, whatever they, they tell her to say. But aside from her, and then, again, like, this, this Gestapo figure played by Stephen Merchant, there's, like, no, like, real Nazis in it, you know? Right. Like, no one seems to really believe the ideology, besides, like, um Dojo but the whole film is about him Warning that Nazism is bad I think the film would have been better if there had been Like someone who was genuinely Like believed in the In, in Nazism in it you know what I mean Yeah Um. Because otherwise it just feels a little like He doesn't want to confront the fact that People actually find Nazism appealing You know Like and the ordinary everyday complicity of, Yeah Of that society Yeah Um. And I, you know what? I did not realize that Stephen Merchant was so fucking tall <laughs> until I watched this film. But he is really tall. He is. Um, but it's like, it's like totally fine. I don't know. <clears throat> uh, yeah, but again, I was like, I was I was expecting to like, whoa, this film. So even it's mm. like mild. Why was did you see like, it? Because uh, <laughs> my girlfriend and I were going to go see a movie and just that we could agree on seeing it. Right. That's it. That's true to have it. Okay, you ready for fucking Drag On Forever? Drag On
2: Forever, I'll be fine Drag On Forever, anytime Uh uh-huh. Okay, start.
0: Okay, so the theme of this week's Drag On Forever, the segment of the show in which one of us chooses a topic to talk about for five minutes, and we have to stick to that topic for five minutes, is... The cable streaming service Foxtel Now, available only in Australia. Where's it got? Foxtel Now. Okay. It is uh, owned or mostly owned by News Corp, <laughs> as you might have guessed from the Fox in the title. Nice. So I signed up for this service because it had a free trial, and I'm all about the free trials.
1: Yeah, you wanted to support Rupert Murdoch.
0: That's right, and uh, the only but the the free trial unlike unlike the free trials of um, Netflix and other streaming services, which give you thirty full days before you need to cancel, um, this Foxtel now only gives you a ten day trial. So the reason I didn't watch many films is I was cramming in all the TV shows I wanted to catch up on that I never had access to in that 10 day window. Um, the primary reason I signed up to Foxtel now, uh, is to watch succession, which is the new it show, Mm. um, which is, uh, created by Jesse Armstrong, who also worked with Amanda Iannucci on stuff. And also he did, he was one of the co people on, um, peep show. Yeah. And yeah, he wrote the best black mirror episode. And he also co-wrote the forthcoming Chris Morris film, The Day Shall Come.
1: The, the already have come... Yes, Chris forthcoming Morris. to Australia.
0: Yes. Um, I think it comes out in November. He also something.
1: co-wrote Four Lines, actually. I yes,
0: yes. So this is the show everyone's talking about, uh, strangely enough. And uh, the funny thing is, because I'm watching it on a Murdoch platform, there's a nice synchronicity between that and the show, which is a thinly veiled version of a Murdoch-like media empire led by an evil old King Lea guy who is pitting his children against one another to succeed, as it were. Played by Brian Cox. Um, But the funny thing is, I won't talk too much about the show because this is about the streaming service. That's my theme for whatever reason. The funny thing is, though, like in between episodes and like choosing the episodes on my uh, TV app, Foxtel Now thing, it auto plays the Sky News channel. And I don't know if you're familiar with Sky News, but it's basically the UK and I guess Australian equivalent of Fox News. Mm. So super right wing garbage which is what this media empire on the show succession is also peddling so Mm. once i finish the episode and i go back to the menu to scroll to the next episode i get like a burst of murdoch bigotry (laughs) and then i start watching succession again um so i I, if you have access to it it's it's a pretty watchable show i don't think it's amazing but it is pretty well written and quite funny in in the act the performances are really good. I mean, people have been losing
1: know. their shit on it about it. I don't know tomorrow, how long so. it can
0: go. I would I would probably prefer it if it, like, capped it at maybe three or four seasons you I do really like
1: Peep Show, so. Uh,
0: I, I'd, I'd recommend watching it if you don't have anything else to watch. It's pretty good. I have pretty good plenty
1: of other things to watch, so I'm not going to watch it.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, I also caught up on another it show of the moment, Barry.
1: Hmm. Watched about half the first episode of it and did not finish it. So.
0: I wouldn't wholeheartedly recommend it. And I think it loses its way. And I don't know how it's going to get like sustain itself beyond the two series that have already screened and mm. has some tonal shifts that don't quite work. Mm. Um, but it does some things well. And I think, I think Bill Hader is good in the lead. It's watchable enough. Yeah. Um, and finally, I watched the first series of True Detective, which I know you have seen. <laughs> oh, that's why you sent me that meme? <laughs> that's
1: funny. You what? That's why you started sending me that meme. Exactly, yeah. You finally understand. I finally understand. Time a flat circle. You know, the more distance... I, I really enjoyed the, that first episode, you know, the first season, but uh, the more distance I've gotten from it, the more I uh, realize that it's kind of bad.
0: It is kind yeah. of bad, I think. Uh, on a writing level, it's, some of it's pretty bad. Um, but it does work for stretches. I think the first half of the first series is pretty strong. Mm. And then it has a big lull um, to the conclusion.
1: And the conclusion doesn't really,
0: isn't particularly yeah. satisfying or interesting. It's just
1: gone full cosmic horror with it. That's what I feel.
0: Yeah. Um, and, uh, it feels, it feels kind of pallid in comparison to Hannibal, Mm. which was exploring kind of similar things in a similar way. Like from the opening of it, it felt like a poor man's Hannibal when you have this, uh, body arranged in a particular way, like a cultish way with, uh, deer antlers and stuff. It felt exactly Mm. like Hannibal, but not as good. And the characters are like pretty dumb, and, and the sex scenes are really exploitative, kind of TA stuff. Mm, that's it. Project A
2: plus, that was Project A plus. Project A plus, that was Project A plus. Project A plus, featuring the both of us. Project A plus, now it's time to say thanks very much. Please stay in touch. Otherwise we might lose the will to fight Then we'll close down our website We're gonna go make another show Now we have to say goodbye Hope you get that dream job Maybe meet a handsome guy We pray to God that you'll find happiness before